Our institutions have become corrupt. Unconstitutional agencies are infringing on your rights. What will it take for you to open your eyes to the tyranny at hand? You're an American born with unalienable rights. Yet those rights are being trampled every day by unelected busybodies. Your liberty was secured by strong men and women of yesterday. Are you willing to let it slip away? You're listening to the Dangerous Info Podcast with Jesse James. Jesse the recently declassified Operation Northwoods documents, kept top secret for 40 years, outline a U.S. government plot to kill hundreds, probably thousands, of American citizens for political gain. In 1962, President JFK's Joint Chief of Staff, General L. L. Lemnitzer, masterminded the Northwoods Plan in order to start a war with Cuba. The American people certainly did not want a war, and neither did Castro, so a series of false flag operations were designed to cause a, quote, helpful wave of indignation and get people behind a war. The methods to be employed were many and varied, from starting rumors using clandestine radio, to sinking and setting fires to U.S. ships, dressing like Cubans to attack U.S. bases, blowing up ammunition and planes, starting fires and riots, and last but not least, hijacking and shooting down a commercial passenger plane. The document actually says that, quote, casualty lists in U.S. newspapers would cause a helpful wave of indignation. They even planned to, quote, conduct funerals for mock victims, to gain added public support if there weren't enough real victims. All this was already approved and signed by every Joint Chief of Staff and the Secretary of Defense when President John F. Kennedy received it. Thankfully for us all, JFK refused to sign the Northwoods document, and the plan was never carried out. But its very existence proves that the government is certainly not always friendly and looking out for our best interests. Paul Joseph Watson wrote, It has been officially revealed via declassified government documents that the U.S. military and government has covertly planned to perpetrate acts of terror upon innocent civilians in order to justify an engagement in conflict that would have, at the time, benefited the government's wider geopolitical agenda. According to ABC News, in the early 1960s, America's top military leaders reportedly drafted plans to kill innocent people and commit acts of terrorism in U.S. cities to create public support for a war against Cuba. Long-hidden documents uncovered in 2001 by former ABC News investigative reporter James Bamford, codenamed Operation Northwoods, put a haunting perspective behind the events of September 11th. The Joint Chiefs of Staff documents propose launching a secret and violent war of terrorism against their own country in order to condition the people of the USA into supporting an intended war against Cuba. These sickening plans called for innocent American civilians to be shot, for Cuban refugees to be blown up, for violent and continued acts of terrorism to be perpetrated in major American cities, 
for innocents to be framed for bombings, and for planes to be hijacked. This would then be blamed on Fidel Castro and Cuba, thus inciting hatred for him and communism, and instigating the public backing that the JCS needed as an excuse to launch the pre-planned war. James Bamford wrote, The plan, which had the written approval of the chairman and every member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, called for innocent people to be shot on American streets, for boats carrying refugees fleeing Cuba to be sunk on the high seas, for a wave of violent terrorism to be launched in Washington, D.C., Miami, and elsewhere. People would be framed for bombings they did not commit. Planes would be hijacked. Using phony evidence, all of it would be blamed on Castro, thus giving Lemnitzer and his cabal the excuse, as well as the public and international backing they need to launch their war. David Icke wrote, It is no good people claiming their leaders could not have been behind the horrors of 9-11 when the documents exist to show that the Pentagon had planned in detail something very similar 40 years ago. And wait for this, Operation Northwoods also planned the hijacking of civil aircraft. The documents say it was possible to create an incident that would convince the people that the Cuban aircraft had shot down a chartered civil airliner on a flight from the United States to Jamaica, Guatemala, Venezuela, or Panama. In the Northwoods document, it actually refers to the USS Maine false flag pretext to the Spanish-American War. It reads, quote, A remember the Maine incident could be arranged in several forms. We could blow up a ship in Guantanamo Bay and blame Cuba or we could blow up a drone anywhere in Cuban waters. So Northwoods ordered to sink our own ships, like the USS Maine, ordered to hijack and shoot down our own commercial airliners, like 9-11, and to bomb ourselves, like World Trade Center 93, Oklahoma, Madrid, 7-7, and so many others. Coming to you from FEMA Region 5, somewhere outside of Detroit, Michigan, where early voting has begun for 2024. Vote harder next time. <laughs> it's the Dangerous Info Podcast with your hosts, Jesse James and Outcast. everybody it is monday monday night monday november 13th 2023 welcome to the spiritual battle of our lives this is not the same world that we grew up in you guys this is the race to 2030 and it's now changed to 2025 and the spirits of the nephilim giants have been passed on to the satanic international elite trying to gain control over humanity will we wake up in time for the coming struggle well, we're going to find out soon enough. But remember this. In the end, God wins. Mm. 
And tonight's show sponsor, everybody, is DangerousOffGrid.com. Food security is paramount for you and your family. Learn to harden your skills while you still have the time to do so and the means to do so. So please visit DangerousOffGrid.com to prepare yourself for the upcoming battle. Um, using that DangerousOffGrid.com helps us, it helps us fund the show, and it helps us keep these lights on around this place, all right? I want to say a big thanks to all the live viewers out there tonight. Over on Pilled, Pilled Foxhole, Twitch, Rumble, Twitter, Clout Hub, and DLive. I'm going to be checking all the Super Chats, the Rumble Rants, and all those gold pills. And if you guys want to get your uh, uh, something in on the show tonight over at DangerousSuperChats.com, you can do that and get your uh, comments, your input, your questions, whatever you have for the show. Send them at the uh, DangerousSuperChats.com link. And put them in there, and I'll be able to read them on the show, and, and uh, we'll have all your uh, input for everybody to see tonight. So tonight, you guys, on the show, this is episode number 120, Pawns in the Game, featuring Dr. Robin McCutcheon. It's going to be a good one, you guys. It's going to be a deep one. We also have Manny on the show tonight, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. I want to say a big shout out for all these people that are supporting the show and this, this week we have another one. His name is Randall Poe. His message is for uh, the support of free speech. And he sends us that through uh, the PayPal that we have linked in our description. And so tonight's show is sponsored tonight by Randall Poe. Thank you, brother, for supporting the show. You are one of our uh, supporters that, uh, you know, just like last week, we had one that uh, sponsored the show. Well, tonight, you are the one, Randall Poe. So now, on to our current monthly supporter shout-outs. These are the people that fund the show monthly, and that's where we get most of our gusto. Uh, that's where it all comes from, you guys. So, Fire Doug, thank you, brother. Ryan Mansfield Show. Carmen Rosario. Jill Bark. Chad Geyer. Manny Espejo. Michelle Yerkes. Hamhock. Dwayne and Teresa Lazowski. Uh, Heidi Human, we have Pastor Eric King, Steph Mee, and Cheryl E. And Brother Outcast, how you doing out there, sir? Welcome to the show. <laughs> I am blessed in the battle, brother. Blessed in the you? battle. Yeah. Yep. Good. Uh, excellent. We have some th some things to go over, and um, you know, I, I just want to say that thanks to everybody out there who's uh, supporting independent media, just like this. And remember. That we're not sponsored by, uh, you know, Pfizer or any of these big giant corporate conglomerates that tell us what they want us to to say. You know, we, we're not we're not doing that. We're sponsored by you guys, and you guys are the dangerous info patriots that, uh, you know, we see eye to eye in things. We uh, we we share share things with one another, and we bounce a lot of ideas off one another. So thank thank you guys, the independent media, uh, or the independent uh, supporters of the independent media that you guys love to watch like us. So, um, outcast, uh, say something. It sounds like you're, uh, go ahead. Does it, does it sound weird or bad or no, it sounds just, it, it sounds just like it did last week. Um, hmm. we'll have to, I was we'll, tinkering around with the microphone, but I thought maybe I could make some changes, but yeah, maybe you just lean into the mic a little bit into the uh, computer a little bit closer. And cause I think just, that's, that's what's picking you up is, is the computer microphone. How about this? Does this sound any different? No, it sounds the same to me right now. Mm, yep. Okay. But anyway, welcome, man. We have the second uh, the second Monday of November right now, and uh, the weather is still holding in, brother. It's still holding in tight. Uh, it's a beautiful night out right now. I don't know if you've been out recently, but it is. 
It's beautiful. Nice, just, you know, just like a, uh, just like our main screen when we get to it. It's, the, the nice stars are out there. That's that dark bluish kind of sky just before the sun went down there. Awesome. So, um, hey, we have a big birthday today, brother. We talked about that today. Wow. <laughs> The mighty Jack Pine Savage. That's right. Jack Pine Savage. Happy birthday, brother. And uh, he's over on the Gilded, uh, which is our private chat room, everybody. And if you guys want to go over there and check out our private chat room, it's in the description listed below. And um, yeah, join. And you can talk to all of us during the week when we're not on the show. Um, there's a lot of people over there really keeping it alive. Ham Hock, uh, Music Lover. Uh, who else is out there? Outcast, who else is in there a lot? Uh, we oh, that, yeah, Jack, Jack well, Pine well, Savage, since it's his birthday. Um, music lover, yeah, yep. Let me see. Uh, I'm, I'm reading some of these things here. Uh, yes, no echoes, yes, excellent, no echoes. And, um, you know, we, we have quite a few people here. Green Room, right. let me see. see I'm, I'm just reading a few things. Outcast on the things, yeah, Green Room. Down there. yeah. Let me see. Green Room time after the prayer sounds good to me. Um, so what we're going to do, um, outcast, we have some feedback, uh, before we, before we get do, uh, professor, Dr. Robin McCutcheon on the show, uh, which is going to be a good one. You guys, it's crazy. We have a lot of stuff and tonight's show is based off of a lot of outcast ideas along with Dr. Robbins. Uh, you know, I asked you for some information, you know, some ideas for the show. I asked professor Robin what she, she had on her plate. And we came up with, uh, basically, it was you two that put this show together. I, I just had to kind of finesse everything and coordinate everything, get it all together. But I think we're going to have a good one tonight, brother, a deep one. And, um, you know, yeah, go ahead. my thinking got, got in, in this trajectory from being asked questions by J.C. Hall. So I was uh, pretty flattered. J.C. was reaching out to you and I both, uh, getting input about our thoughts on the Middle East and what's going on. And, yeah. And in my long-winded text messages back to JC, um, a lot of this was coming to my mind. I just kept thinking, man, this is kind of good show material for us too. So that's kind of where my, how my thinking got on that path of what, well, th what, that will be revealed tonight on the show where we're headed, but okay. Um, yeah. And so glad it worked for, for you and, and Dr. Robin. I'm <clears throat> glad both of you saw the logic in it. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, I'm going to go on over right now and I'm going to bring, uh, our, our Manny on, he's on the show tonight. And, um, uh, let me see, Manny. Where there you are, right there, brother. How you doing, Manny? Oh, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, well, you know, everybody. Welcome, Manny, to the show. Um, I, I figured, you know, Outcast in the past somehow Manny was on the show at the same time Dr. Robin was on one of her many times here, and it was a good, it was a good vibe going on. So you know, I figured, you know, what, might as well have Manny come back on and join us because he's full of uh, information too, and. Um, you know, at the same time that Prof uh, Dr. Robin's on. So uh, because there's good chemistry with all of us, you know, and, and, and going back and forth with the chat room. So I think it's going to be really well, all the chat rooms, actually. So um, I think it's going to work out really, really good. So Manny's uh, everybody's saying hi to you in the chats there. And um, so this is what we're going to talk about, you guys. Um, let's see here. Uh, we're going to discuss things about the history of false flag events. Now, you saw that that five-minute intro that I played in the beginning. It's a long intro, but there's a lot of information in there, a ton of it, about Operation Northwoods. And you guys both know what that is. Uh, we've talked about it a ton of times in the past. But as you you said, uh, you know, Outcast, you, you wanted to talk about 
false flag events in time or you know overtime in history um, that have been used to draw us into war and garner our support for con- conflicts around the world. Now, um, I think that false flags have been used. You know, there's big ones, there's small ones, they're all size false flags, and we're going to get into all that. Um, you had one in particular outcast that you had brought up, and I think Dr. Robin found something, some more information about that. So I think she's going to bring that. She sent me some maps and some things. So uh, I, I can't wait to get this show kicked off and get it started. It's going to be it's going to be fun. And Manny, you're going to have some input too. Um, yeah, I, sure. I, I'd like to throw uh, you know what what's going on or what happened in Maui. Manny has some family over there or people that he knows. So I think he's going to be hot on that topic too. So we'll get into all that. Uh, you know, it, what else did you say? Okay. Something about, uh, you know, the riots, the COVID, the, the monkey pox, all these things, the, the UFO disclosure, Ukraine, Israel, all this stuff, right? Well, and then, you know, Gulf of Tonkin to uh, Pearl Harbor. I mean, we could go on and on. And it, it, it appears to me, if you look at the body of evidence that they need our moral support, maybe just they need us to be willing to send our young people to war. Yeah. To, to die and suffer at war or, or something. I mean, they, they need us to be um, on board. So they they take they take an event. It's a it's a version of the Hegelian dialectic, crisis, reaction, solution. But they they give us these big events, 9-11, and yep. then everybody gets all worked up into a bloodlust. And then we say, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. And then <laughs> they uh, they draw us into war for uh, for decades in situations that I don't think human, uh, you know, humanity is, is too interested in on their own. They have to be goaded into it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it, they're suckers. We're suckers and we fall for it over and over again. <clears throat> um, you know, you know, turn those people to glass, you know, all those stories, yeah. we've, you know, those phrases we've heard and maybe we've even said in our in the past but we're waking. Uh, everybody's waking up here, and I don't think anybody wants us anymore. No, nobody's really that interested. I look at Israel and Palestine. I'm going, or as, as I like to call it, the Israel Palestine Super Bowl. And you've got, um, yes, real people are being hurt, um, but the real people on the street who are just living their everyday lives, I don't think want any. They want. They don't want to have anything to do with this. Yeah, this yep. is all being orchestrated by people higher up. And then you look at who's who's controlling the higher ups. Yeah, and it always ends up to be the same exact people that we're always complaining about. Uh, yeah, and then you're like, okay, we're being played, right? The, the offspring and the, uh, the the downline of those Nephilim giants still messing with us yeah. today. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Pro- hey. Demonic proxies, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Right? So we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff, you guys. And you know, it's, it's all psychological operation. Um, you know, they're going to keep attempting attempting it. And yeah, like Steph Mead just said right there on Twitch. Uh, there will be an event on our soil staged. Yes, uh, 100% there will be uh, more. Whoa, that's really big. I was shorting that down so you guys can actually see Manny's face there. Um, but yeah, that's it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's crazy that, that, that so many people uh, don't see these things. You know, that, that's, that's a problem. You know, but I, more and more people are waking up, um, which is good. So... Um, you know, eventually we will, um, I, hopefully we have a massive, uh, a greater amount of people that are, you know, it only takes 3%. It only takes 3% to, to, to make a big change. And, you know, once we reach that, which I think we're already past that, I just think we have some, some media stuff to clear up and, you know, cause that, that's where a lot of our psychological stuff is coming through the media, uh, you know, the, the government and the, uh, you know, Hollywood. So, um, yeah. you know, not, not to play on, you know, just sleep on, on, on sports either, but you know, I'm going to get into a powerful and important eulogy. That's, is that what we call it outcast? Remember I was kind of telling you about it yesterday. Uh, yeah, I think that's the, because that's the correct. Yeah. Last, last week, 
a very, very good friend, uh, one of my best friends growing up, uh, you know, in, my, in the teen years and all that, um, lost his son. Uh, the, the family is devastated. I was, you know, it, it, it affected me and, you know, because we were, it, it's rough. It's a rough time. But the funeral was the other day and it's over with. And I just want to talk a little bit about that because there's a very powerful eulogy that the pastor read from, from, from the mom, which is our friend. Okay. And I want to read that because, you know, I was kind of telling you about Outcast. I just, I just think that it's so powerful. It's nothing like you would hear a eulogy from any other type of uh, funeral. This thing here, and like the pastor said, he goes, I hope you guys reach out, you know, the people in the crowd and, and, and go over it and, uh, you know, ask me for it, email it because, you know, he said he would email it, but anyway, I got it right from her and, um, it, wait till you guys hear it. It's powerful. It's really good, um, you know. Not to make light of, of of their loss, but she turned it into something that I think we all need to hear. Um, well, we're sounds, also, you, go ahead. you didn't read it to me, but it sounds remarkable, especially considering that it's coming from a grieving mother. On top of it, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so she must be very grounded in her faith to be able to yeah sort out her emotions to do something like that. It's, it's I'm looking forward to hearing it. Right. Um, so before, you know, also uh, we're going to close off the show tonight too, with some, uh, some solution type of stuff, uh, uh, to what, you know, everything that we're going to talk about. And also Robin wants to talk about some holiday season, uh, traditions, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, we just got the tree out tonight. So, you know, I drag, drag the tree out and the wife is in there putting it up right now, uh, which is awesome. I can't wait for the, the kids to come home for, for Thanksgiving. They're going to see the tree up. I'm going to do lights this week. I, I'm in, I'm ready. Even though it's nice outside right now, I'm ready. Um, you know, I, I'd love the Christmas season, you guys. And, and I call Christmas season starts November 1st, <laughs> right? That's what it feels like to me. Um, yeah. But okay, let's. Uh, there, there's a few things that I want to go before I read this eulogy, um, because I want to do some show feedback. Oh, also, the upcoming guest, Outcast. I told you the other day, Gary Wayne. I've been emailing him, and he finally, he got back with me. So now we're 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 looking to set up dates for Gary Wayne. You guys, he was the the author of uh, the, the the Genesis Six Conspiracy. Yeah, and it's the book is sitting right up here on this shelf somewhere. I just saw it the other day, Genesis 6 Conspiracy. I think you have the book. And he's like the go-to guy about Nephilim, along with L.A. Marzulli. Uh, those two, to me, seem like they're the top guys. I mean, you got Ryan Peterson. I mean, there's there's a lot of people. But L.A. Mar or uh, uh, Gary Wayne, uh, he's, he's he's like the OG of all this stuff, too, man. He kind of is. He's brilliant. He really is. And he's, and he's a humble, modest guy on top of it. So it's going to be really... Uh, a lot of great info I think we're going to get out of him. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so there, there's a few things. Uh, let's see here. I'm going over my notes. Um, I want to... Uh, let's do some feedback real quick before we get going, all right? So first of all, I have... Um, where is it at? There's this guy that's been emailing the show quite a bit, you guys, and... Manny, I was telling you about it earlier, um, and I, I need to find out where it's at. It's either on my phone or <laughs> or in this computer. First of all, one somebody's been emailing us a lot at dangerousinfopodcast at protonmail.com, and I've been you know emailing back and forth with him a bit here and there. Sean Kelly. Outcast, have I told you about him? Uh, yeah, I think so. Sounds familiar um, for some reason. Yeah, he's, you know, this is the, he sent an email that I'd never read Um 
on 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 you know here on the show and it, that was way back in September and he was talking about not sure if you saw this over the weekend only two minutes this there's a YouTube clip of Bryce uh, a clip of Bryce Mitchell in the octagon after one of the USC fights talking about Satan and the Maui fires and how he believes it was a man-made thing and you know what it was used for and and why they did it which we'll get into later but um there's a video of of him and he actually took his opponent opponent that wasn't that he was fighting with and they prayed um, in, in the show. So he sent me that email. So I just want to say thanks, Sean Kelly. You've been sending me a lot of emails and I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, keep, keep doing it. If you guys want to send emails in too, uh, please do, um, email the show at, um, uh, dangerous info podcast at protonmail.com. So, um, right here, here's another one. Um, and I'm telling him that I'm reading it now on the show. And this is from Bart. His name is Jesse Bart Cox. And this is what he says, Outcast. Um, you know what? I'm going to have to put my shop glasses on so my, I can see my wood shop glasses. All right. So he sent us this. This is Jesse and Outcast. I enjoy listening to your program. I heard your interview last Monday with Marjorie Wildcraft and that she needed a new location in Puerto Rico. Um, I have a friend down there and can try to hook them up if possible. You know, that's more of a, you know, I'll send that along to her. I did talk to her during the week. And she might have something on the hook. So I, I need to talk to her again and, and find out. Also, he says, Outcast, he heard about you in one of your summer trips when you were in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Was that earlier this year, right? Yep. And, summer. Yeah. Okay. And he said uh, he lives close to the area. And, uh, you know, he, he could have, uh, let me see, lives close to the area uh, by the airport. And he would love to compare notes at some point. He might have a little information. He says he's not big into social media, but uh, was not sure my emails were getting through. They're getting through, brother. I've just, you know, I, f- I figured I'd read them on the show. Um, oh, let me see. Following you both. He's following us both on Instagram now, so that's pretty good. He says he has some unique homesteading skills that might be of interest to us. Um, and maybe at some point he can talk about it and share some stuff as well. So um, he enjoys all of our programs, and uh, it's a down-to-show or, or down-to-earth show. Uh, he says, I'm a 62-year-old, happily married Christian male, and believe it or not, my first name is Jesse as well. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bart Cox. Awesome. So uh, I appreciate the feedback. And, um, you know, if you have some stuff, that uh, Bart, that you want to talk to us about, email me that stuff because we're always about on the show, right, um, you know, homesteading, uh, you know, skills, survival stuff. Um, it, you know, we're always into that stuff. So I have to quickly move on to the next one. So... We have um, that Randall poll that I read in the beginning, the new the, tonight sponsor of the show, that came in through a PayPal that he just did today. So thank you, Randall Poe, and he's from Tennessee. So that's awesome. And, and, Go and ahead, by the way, uh, yeah. talking about sponsors, uh, hung out all day with Biffermac the other day okay. on Saturday, and he said that there's for some reason something about the, uh, the pay system for our sponsorship. What, what is it? Uh, what's the name of it? Subscribe Star. Yeah, booted him off. He was he's did not mean to not be a, a sponsor. So he's trying to reconnect to, huh. to sponsor. FYI, so if you're not aware, no, I, something uh, happened. I'm sorry, and it okay. him off. Well, we're gonna have to figure that out. And uh, Biffer Mac, what's up, brother? We're gonna have to get you on the show too. Um, now that you're all healed up after your surgery and everything, so uh, glad to know that yeah. you're out there. And um, you're, realizing, you're realizing how absolutely blessed he was. We, we're running into other. He's running into other people who had similar. 
situations and it didn't turn out as well at all. He oh, not man. only is a miracle he's alive, but he's doing incredibly well. Wow. Uh, it is beyond uh, being blessed. It's, I mean, God's got his hand on the situation because we know he's got another friend of the family or a friend of the church family. And they had a the similar situation happen to them right around the same time. They're still in the hospital with many strokes and all kinds of wow. stuff. It could have went really, really bad for Pepper Mac. Not so good. The fact not, that he's good doing at all. so well is just remarkable. Yeah. Well, pray we prayed for him. Um, well, and everybody, everybody could, in our network was praying for him. He had yeah. an army praying. For him. Continued prayers, brother. And sorry, the, yeah, that's all right. The, the final one today is um, uh, last week. We had Bonnie M. She came on and she sponsored last show's week with uh, with the PayPal donation. Uh, she also sent a tip over here on on uh, DangerousSuperChats.com. It says, keep keeping our eyes open. And that's what we plan to do, Bonnie. So thank you so much for uh, supporting the show and being a part of that. So, um, man, we are... Uh, <sighs> We're, we're, we're up against time right now. I want to read this eulogy thing so you guys can hear it. But we also have to get uh, Professor Dr. Robin on. Um, you can do it. Yeah, let's do oh, it. Shut up. We'll go through it. And she'll, she's, she's watching. She's in the green, green room right now. So we'll do this, and then we'll do your prayer, do break, and bring her on. All right? So let's give it a few minutes here. All right, let me make this a little bit bigger so I can see it. All right, here we go. So th remember, this is from my uh, a very good, close friend of ours, uh, uh, ma ma mother. And uh, I grew up with uh, her husband, you know, my friend. And uh, I, I, I took some of these things out of it because it was very long. And I took some of the, some of the uh, personal details out. But I did leave a few in because she, she gave me permission to do this. So, oh, all right, this is tough. It says, uh, early Sunday morning. On November 5th, the enemy of my soul, Satan, launched a violent attack against my family and community, and our camp is severely wounded. It was an act of war. Jesus warned, of, warned us of this war. In Ephesians 6.10-17, through 17, we are told to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. It explains who and what we are actually fighting against. That it isn't flesh and blood like we think, but the, of powerful dark forces in a spiritual realm that we cannot see. We are instructed to armor up with the armor of God so that we are prepared for the fight. We are to put on protective gear, which is the belt of the truth, the breastplate of God's righteousness, the, shoe, the shoes of peace that come from the gospel, the shield of faith to stop fire, uh, fiery arrows at the devil. The, hem, the helmet of salvation and to bring only one offensive piece of armor, the sword of spirit, which is the holy word of God. The scripture also promises that after the battle, we will be standing firm. Jesus says himself says in John 16, that this is the life you will have many trials and sorrows, but to take heart because he has overcome the world. I have placed my faith and trust in Jesus as my God and savior, and I have been following him for a very long time. He has been so good and faithful to me, even though hardships has, uh, hardship has come. I have no reason to believe that his everlasting love, goodness, greatness, and grace will ever run out in my life. And I do not believe that he did this terrible thing to me. I know him so much better than that. While I cannot explain the whys and hows of what has happened, I have learned enough to know that I can trust Jesus with my pain and that he will use his resurrection power to bring beauty from the ashes. I will see the promised victory over this battle that God has pre-warned me about, and I will be reunited with, with my sweet Sal again. 
when God receives me in his timing, until then I until then I will battle onward, knowing that I will never be alone because Jesus is always with me. The counterattack on Satan will make him wish he never heard of the blank family name. I am wounded and weak right now, but I will bring my hurting to the great physician and let him prescribe my healing. I will accept the comfort of his Holy Spirit that he has promised. I will claim that the peace that surpasses understanding that is promised to those who are, who are in Jesus Christ, I will commit to comfort others who are hurting with him, uh, who are hurting with the same comfort I have received from him. Jesus, let me see and feel you close to the broken heart like you promised. Sal was our baby of four. We were all so delighted with him from the start. He was such a beautiful baby, toddler, and child, and a young man. 16 months younger than his sister, he was her little buddy. They shared a bedroom until she was 10 years old, and I give her credit for helping us raise such a wonderful young man. I loved when I would look in the backseat of my car and see her holding his hand while they were in the car seats if he needed to be calmed. It was precious to me how she cared for him. It was precious to me to see how he loved her his whole life. He was her friend. He trusted her advice. His two older brothers took him right from the or took him uh, took to him right from the start, and he was one of the guys in no time at all. They made him tough and showed him the ropes of boyhood and even manhood. They were his paths of adventure, and he looked up to both of them his whole life. He thought they were the coolest and the best. In typical baby, uh, in typical baby of the family form, um, he was silly, full of laughter, and everything he did was uh, we thought was so cute. The characteristic of Sal that I was most proud of was his humility. He was so success, successful in his athletic endeavors, but it was never it never went to his head. His big brother uh, says he was tough as me, cool as Joe, and sweet as his little sister. He had so many friends, and even though he was so darn cool, he was never too cool for anyone. He was very friendly and had a really good sense of humor. A couple weeks ago, he texted his sister uh, that he was praying for her while she took an exam and uh, that she was really stressed out about. And even though he was so humble and kind, he was also full of confidence. You saw it in, in, in the quirky way he dressed, uh, the way he wore his hair. Oh my, he had a big head full of hair. He did, you guys. His hair was awesome. Big, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> big, long hair. Um, he believed that he had what it took to compete and win. He would, all, he, he, he would look like an adult, or no, he would look an adult in the eye and shook his hands like a man. He wasn't a critical person, but if something needed to be said about what was wrong, he was a man enough to say it. And people respected him. He was very polite. He always said, please and thank you. He didn't argue much and went along with things for the most part with such good attitude. He said, I love you all the time and wasn't awkward about it. The last time I saw him when, was, when he came in my room before he left for the game on Friday, he hugged me and told me he loved me. I, I thank God for that memory. Um, He was a faithful and loyal friend. Just ask ask them. They'll tell you uh, how much they loved him. He was a beloved uh, grandson, nephew, and cousin. He was proud of our family and said so often. He loved to hunt and fish. He loved Christmas 
and was always the first to wake up everyone else so he could open up presents. Even as an adult, he was a very hard worker. He loved his job, and people always worked with uh, loved him too. He was reliable and always on time. He had plans to own his own HVAC company one day, to get married and have a family and kids, and he'd be an awesome uncle. It hurts my heart so much that we will never make some, some wonderful young woman the happiest wife on the planet. Or that I will never see baby Sal smile in the face of one of his own children. The future I dreamt of for our family is forever changed. There is a dead hole in my heart without him here that will never go away. The pain is worse than I could imagine. Jesus, please help me in my brokenness. When I consider Sal's new perfect perspective, I know what he would say to all of us today. He would assure me that he is happy and at peace where he is, and he would say the most important part of his life is here on earth. That was, uh, he put faith in Jesus. He trusted Jesus alone for his salvation. He truly had a tender heart, uh, a tender heart for the things of God. This is the thing that gives me comfort the most right now. Believing with my whole heart <clears throat> that he has seen the face of our holy God in all his glory and that Jesus, with full acceptance and love, has pulled him in tight with a giant welcoming embrace. I know, um, I know he would also want me to tell you that you should put your faith in Jesus too. That a life walking with Jesus is the best life here on earth as well as when we pass on. That you wouldn't regret it. He wouldn't want me to tell you to be brave enough to bring your pain and anger to Jesus. He would tell you Jesus is the only only one who can heal you away from what you need uh, to and long to be healed. I really believe he would want me to relay this message to you guys. Um, and, and that's that's the end of it right there, you guys. And Sal was hit by a car last week and died. Outcast? Yeah, brother. It's okay, brother. <clears throat> um, it's a remarkable eulogy from, um, I can't believe that a grieving mother would have the strength um, and the groundedness to compose something like that. I'm sure it was cathartic and healing to write it, but um, um, only monumental faith can um, produce that type of uh, clarity of mind and, and based uh, faith-based uh, intelligence at a difficult time like this. I'm, I can't believe that she was able to do it. Um, a lot of people just shrink away into themselves and want to die after a child is gone. Um, but it, her, her words are a testimony to the fact that, um, God does heal everything. And he, even when you don't understand, if you have that, uh, that faith that you're supposed to have, you press into him. Yep. Um, he'll be there. He's the one thing I've seen it firsthand that can turn pain into purpose. Um, several years ago, my, my wife's aunt, uh, lost a son to drug addiction and that was my prayer for her. I, I prayed in earnest that God would turn her pain into purpose. Yeah. So she decided to um, start. Uh, they, she found out in her town in Ohio there was no men's rehab centers for for drug addiction. 
and she wanted to start a rehab center for men. And uh, she had a little fundraiser and raised about $5,000. And I thought to myself, that's not enough. You're going to need hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a center, right? Yeah. How, how? And she pressed on. She fought and pressed on. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a church group shows up. And they said, hey, um, we've been waiting <clears throat> for somebody like you to come along. And they, um, we've got the money that you need. And to this day, the Root House in Ravenna, Ohio stands. And... Uh, and people are getting help, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I just I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but I just want to remind listeners that um, you have a choice. And when bad things happen, and you know what? Here's the other thing. She, she, I think she knows this because her faith, it sounds so rock solid. She doesn't need a reminder. I want to remind our listeners out there that um, this is a fallen world. Since, fa- since, since the fall in the Garden of Eden, it's a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. God is not punishing you. Um, we all have adversity in our lives and, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being punished. Yeah. It doesn't mean that God is, you know, it's just, uh, but he, but God promises us that he'll be with us through the adversity, Yep. but you have to press in because the choice is I've seen people get bitter and be mad at God, shake their fist at God. Yep. I'll tell you this right now. Nothing good will come of that. <clears throat> no, that's not the direction. Yeah. So, um, God bless her heart. Um, this poor, this poor family. And it sounds like he was an outstanding young man. Oh, he and I've was seen awesome. That awesome young Dude, I've kid. Seen, I've seen that before where really outstanding people go first. Yeah. And I cannot help but ponder. I mean, God forgive forgive me if I'm speaking out of line here because I don't understand the complexity of, of his kingdom. But um, I cannot help but wonder if you are really on target and you are doing real, you know, you're, you're figuring out life. You've got humility and talent. A, yes, you are, you you pose a threat to the devil. That might have something to do with it. But the other part of this is maybe God calls you back to paradise. He says, you know what? You've you get it. Yeah. The rest of us are fumbling through trying to get it. Yep. Sometimes there's these young people that just get it right off the bat. Sorry if I'm babbling too much. I That's all right. Manny, any thoughts on that? I mean, that was that was hard for me to read. You know, <clears> that's <throat> it's um I, I can imagine how hard it was for her to write it as a as a mom. I and mean, it was longer. Um, but I took a lot of that, you know, very personal information out of there, Manny. And, um, I, but I just, I got to tell you, the family was so strong at the funeral, you guys. This is one of the, the, the most, I don't want to say best funeral because there aren't, there aren't good funerals, but th- it was just well put together. Uh, they, they didn't, they really celebrated his life, Sal's life. They did not dwell on the boohoo and the bad and all the stuff. They really, really celebrated his life. The, the pastors were on fire. Um, they, they did great, a great job in this uh, giant uh, church that, that, that was uh, held at. Um, and it was huge because of all the families and, and the kids that he went to school with and everybody. So, um, But the family held it together like, um, wow, like super strong. Uh, it, it was you amazing, know- Manny. You, you know, I don't, I don't want to dwell on the dark side of this. I mean, of these types of things, but to contrast that recently at somebody I know, uh, there was a funeral and the whole family, the family was, I hate to say it like this, but they're just a, a godless bunch. And, um, the, the memorial service turned into a drunken melee oh, and, no. and the person who died's life was not honored at all. Yeah. So what you, what you bore witness to was a, a family that's grounded in their faith. Yeah. Big time. And, um, you know what I mean? And then you see the fruit that, that they bear fruit, even in adversity, <clears throat> they bear fruit. And that, yeah. that's remarkable. People who don't have that, they're, they're flailing about it's, it's yep. chaos because they, 
they don't they don't have any, any rock to hold on to no, yeah. no foundation all right manny um what's, yep. what's your word there? well it's well it's a tribute uh to the family members that they could come together and and celebrate his life as opposed to the darker side of it and dwell on his passing uh but rather you know go to his life and and respect that and and praise that and and you know just bring all of that forward to overshadow uh the fact that he's no longer with us Mm -hmm. and i think that is the way you should do it um not everybody does but uh it certainly is a positive way of remembering someone who's passed away so i i enjoy listening to those um types of uh eulogies yeah when when i have the opportunity or if it comes my way and uh it's just rather soothing to your mind and to your heart to remember somebody in that way yeah it was uh it was as far as funerals go it was it was totally beautiful. It was it was great uh, to see the families again and just to see how strong they were, you guys. I can't believe it. There was no crying messes and stuff. They didn't have that there. It was just a, a complete and full celebration of Sal's life. So that that's awesome, you know, and uh, they're, they're, they have their pain, you know, but that's why they have friends and family, other family and, and other people to live for. So um, they can trust in yeah, God. Yeah, but I think that. The- I think the testimonials from each of them brought everybody closer together. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Oh man. Well, I'm glad I read that. Um, it was hard. It was hard. Sorry. I broke down. Um, but, uh, Hey, uh, we have to get over to our guest tonight, Dr. Robin McCutcheon. So outcast, um, if we can get a prayer from you, we're going to go to break after that and then bring her on. And we're going to get deep into this pawns in the game show tonight, episode 120. So, Outcast, you can go ahead and take the floor with your uh, one of your powerful prayers, brother. Dear Heavenly Father, um, El Shaddai, Adonai, Lord, Abba, Father, Daddy, Yahweh, Yeshua, Lord, we we um, we love you so very much. To this this uh, fragile existence that we're in, our bodies are but mere tents, temporary dwelling spaces for our souls. Help us to be keenly aware of the precious time that we have here on this earth, uh, not to squander it or waste it, but live it more fully for you with um, that radical agape love that you've given us. Help us to convey that to others. Because time is short, Lord, help us to let go of every grudge and every um, resentment that we have. Just take it away from us and give us a, a, a heart of love for everyone around us because we don't know what they're going through in their life and what is dictating their behavior. Um, Lord, we, at this time, we, we cry out, Lord, to you to bring comfort to those who are hurting. We've got people all around us who are, in this case, that we're most apparent is people who are grieving the loss of a child. It's something that most parents can't conceive of. And when it happens, it feels like the world is crumbling around them. But we thank you, Lord, for being the one thing that can turn pain into purpose. We thank you for your promise to um, to be there for us if we lean into you. If we knock, you will answer the door. We thank you for um, being a God of love and provision and and uh, and perseverance. You you teach us to tarry on even when we're hurting. 
Lord, nothing can take away the pain of, uh, of loss entirely, but you can definitely be our comforter in that time. And if anybody out there in earshot of this prayer is listening right now, know that if you're hurting right now, um, you can lean into God. He is the one thing that will be there for you, Lord. So we thank you for, for being that to all of us. We thank you for being the great comforter, the great physician, uh, the great counselor. Um, we thank you for being um, the light of the world, um, the way in a world that's lost its way, uh, the truth in a world that hates truth, uh, life in a world that despises life. Uh, we thank you for being the absolute antithesis to everything in this broken plane of existence. Lord, we we fight on on this podcast um, in our personal lives. Um, we seek to hold the line until Christ's return. Um, we we seek your hedge of protection around our personal lives and around this podcast. Um, anoint Jesse and Manny uh, and Dr. Robin McCutcheon and myself. Um, give us your thoughts and your words to share with other people to help them understand the battle we're in. Help people to take the spiritual red pill and understand that um, the fight that we're in isn't just mere flesh and blood and no politician can solve it, but rather you. If we lean into you and if we fight for you, um, this you are the one thing that it's all worthwhile. The rest of it is corrupt and broken. And help us to show people that so they stop fighting amongst each other and wanting to turn another race of people uh, to ash or to um, want to wage another war or, or, or vote a certain way. Rather, help them to be the change that they want to see in the world and be that change. Help us to be that change ourselves on this podcast. Lord, bless this episode. Know that we love you and we can do nothing without your son, Jesus Christ, who finished the work on the cross that liberated us from sin and reconciled us with you. And know that we love you more than anything else in this world. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Amen, brother. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, man, we have to get over. We're so far behind our schedule. And uh, I feel bad for leaving <laughs> Uh, Dr. Robin in the in the green room, but we're going to get over to her in just a second after these uh, quick commercial break. Also, um, you guys, if you guys are out there watching live, please hit the like button over on Rumble if you have one. Uh, check out the the red or the gold pills over on Pilled Foxhole tonight. Um, Rumble rants if you're watching on Rumble. Uh, I'll be reading those and also dangerous.superchats.com if you guys want to get something in on the show. And there was no voicemail this week, so I'm not going to play any of those. Um, uh, if you want to send a voicemail, 248, uh, what's the number? 248-238-8155. If you guys want to send a, a voicemail during the week and, and, you know, I'll read them on the show. So, uh, thanks for supporting the show, you guys. Um, we'll be right back after this and with Dr. Professor Robin McCutcheon. So we'll be right back after this, you guys. And this is the Dangerous Info Podcast tenfold. The Swiss Family Center. When turkey's on your menu, I was like, he couldn't remember his phone number. That's what was making me laugh. It's the tenderest turkey you ever served. Easiest, too. Oven ready in one minute. Has a fresh, old-fashioned, gently seasoned stuffing. Just like yours. These superb stuffed turkeys are flash frozen at the peak of freshness and kept frozen right to your oven. Try one soon. Stuffed butterball. Swift premium turkey. 
Get the best for your family. Always choose Butterball. Swift's Premium. Swift's Premium. Listen, Miss Clutch. Have you ever heard of some fellows who first came over to this country? You know what they found? They found a howling wilderness. With summers too hot and winters freezing. Did they have insurance for their old age, for their crops, for their homes? They did not. They looked at the land and the forests and the rivers. They looked at their wives, their kids, and their houses. And then they looked up at the sky and they said, Thanks, God. We'll take it from here. They were rugged fellows. They were men. Do you want to be a sponsor of the Danger Simple Podcast? It's quick and easy to do, fellow patriots. Simply go to subscribestar.com, buzzsprout.com, or any other support choices listed in the description of this episode and join us today. We aren't beholden to mainstream media narratives because we aren't mainstream media. If that's important to you, then we need your support to continue to grow and spread the message of free speech and the truth. We are just one small show out here competing with these globalist-funded, script-reading shit shows. We aren't down with dystopian nonsense. We're down with freedom-loving, liberty-seeking patriots like yourselves. We are the Dangerous Info Podcast. Please join us today. Stay dangerous, my patriot friends. Stay dangerous. you guys we welcome dr robin mccutcheon back to the show and tonight we're going to discuss the history of false flag events uh that have been used to draw us into war and garner our support for conflicts around the world do these false flags relate to everything we've been gone gone through the last few years well we're going to find out so we're going to talk about those uh, schemes and, and everything they they try to pull these psychological uh, operations on us and uh we're not having it anymore and Professor Dr. Robin McCutcheon, you know, I, I say Professor Doctor all the time, but welcome to the show, Professor of Marshall University. How are you tonight, Dr. Robin? Can you hear me? Good, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me back on. Yes, oh. I can. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, you're good to go. Can you hear me? Yep, yep, we're all set. So, okay. sorry it took all so right, long cool. to get you on. I saw that you were sitting there in the uh, green room. I we, we just had a lot of stuff to get through, and I'm so sorry to, to, to hold you off like this, you know? There is no reason to apologize. I was listening intently to your friend's eulogy for her son, and what a strength. What, what a brave woman. And I'm so glad that you read that because you don't know who is listening who needed to hear that. So thank you for that. And please don't apologize for keeping me waiting. That was, it is not an imposition at all. Excellent. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks thanks for those kind words. And uh, uh, as you can see right here, we have Manny on, on here. So, uh, you know, I wanted to get you guys together like we yeah. did one time before. So <laughs> hello, Dr. McCutcheon. <laughs> Hi, Mary. I'm so glad to see you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we all hear you loud and clear. Ten four, five by five. Okay. Yep. 
So in Outcast, okay, yeah, Outcast. Um, like I was, as I was saying earlier, I'm glad that you guys had uh, that you gave me some information about tonight's show and what you wanted to hear and what you wanted to discuss and talk about because I think we have put together between us three. Uh, and, and what Manny's input's coming, I think we're going to put together uh, some really good stuff here on these false flags. And uh, uh, like like the title says, you know, we are all just pawns in their game. Uh, but what can we do, Dr. Robin, to turn this game into something that we can control? I mean, it's a big question, but I think by the end of this, we'll be able to have some some sort of an answer or um, a solution to something to 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 put this swing this game into our favor a little bit. Well, I think always the first thing that we need to do is we need to we need to remember how we got here, how we got to where we are right now. And um, between you and Outcast, you you really put me through my paces today on the research. <laughs> but I think I came up with something that will help us realize that where we're at right now is not an accident. It is completely totally on purpose. It is constructed. Um, we didn't do this. We are just pawns in the game, but I let, let me just start. Okay. So yeah. I sent you, yep. um, I sent you a migration map, right? Yes, you did. Yep. If you could pull up that migration, I actually found um, real research real, like from PhD type research about a group of people that are known around the truther uh, community as Kazarians. Okay. Now this research that I'm going to be reading comes from an article titled The Missing Link of Jewish European Ancestry, Contrasting the Rhineland and Kazarian Hypotheses. It was written in December 2012, so it's it's not that old actually. But the first, um, the next one that I sent you, the one with all the arrows going all over the place. There we go. Yep. Okay, so this Kazarian hypothesis posits that um, that area in the in the map titled Kazaria was populated by a people. Um, that most modern day people consider to be Eastern European Jews. Okay. Now they are descendants of the Khazars and the Khazars were a confederation of Slavic, Scythian, Hunic, Bulgar, Iranian, Alans, and Turkish tribes. And some of the research seems to indicate that these um the forerunners of many of these peoples may have been um, may have come westward from the Mongolian Empire. So we're going we're going way back, way back. Okay, probably several thousand years. Note that the Kazarian Jews are not Sephardic Jews, so they are not Middle Eastern Jews. We're making a distinction between these two groups of people. In this research, it notes that the Kazarians converted to Judaism. And this happened around about, oh, probably the 8th century. So I don't know, what is that, 12 or 1300 years ago, 740, 750. And so what was going on 
1,300 years ago is these tribes in Kazaria were, um, they're called the name stealers. They were murderous, um, bloodthirsty, thieves, I guess, is the best way you could say it. And um, some of the research that I've found says that the Kazarians developed into a nation ruled by an evil king who had ancient Babylonian black arts, occult oligarchs serving as his court. And during this time, the Kazarians became known to surrounding countries as thieves, murderers, road bandits, and for assuming the identities of those travelers they murdered as a normal occupational practice and way of life. The leaders of the surrounding nations, especially Russia, have had, had so many years of complaints by their citizens that as a group, they delivered an ultimatum to the Kazarian king. They sent him a communique and demanded that he choose one of the three Abrahamic religions for his people. So Christianity, Judaism, or Muslimism, and make it his official state religion and require all Kazarian citizens to practice it and socialize all Kazarian children to practice that faith. So the Kazarian king, given the choice between Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, chose Judaism. And they promised, cross their heart, hope to die, they promised to stay within the requirements laid out by the surrounding confederacy of nations led by the Russian Tsar. However, despite his agreement and promise, the Kazarian king and his inner circle of oligarchs kept practicing the ancient Babylonian black magic, also known as secret Satanism, and the secret Satanism involved occult ceremonies featuring child sacrifice after bleeding them out, drinking their blood, and eating their hearts. Mm. So, so far, so good. Yeah. These are really nasty bastards. Manny, or, or yeah, or Outcast, we've talked about some of this before, but never in this context. I mean, this is going deep, really deep. We've, we have We've alluded to this okay. story, but we've 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 uh, avoided. I mean, we're not avoided. But we just never dug deep into it. So this is the information that we we've been looking for. So it's good. Yeah, I just blew mm -hmm. up the. Uh, I just blew up the. So, uh, made it bigger so we can see a bit. <laughs> well, part of um, part of putting on the full armor of God is revealing the truth to yourself, right? because it is only with the truth that we can protect ourselves. So further in this research, um, the arrows that are pointing to, I have to look really close, the Ju Judaized Kazarian Jews. So in the, in the right around the Black Sea, between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, that was basically the capital of the Khazarian empire. Note that a lot of that empire also includes what we now know as Ukraine mm. today. Yeah. So um, this research makes a differentiate differentiation between Khazarian Jews and Ashkenazi Jews. Um, but I know that a lot of people meld those two together into one group. Um, they, these, this author says, though Judaism was born encased in theological historical myth, no Jewish historiography was produced from the time of Joseph 
Joseph's, Josephus Flavius in the first century common era to the 19th century, um, early historians bridge the historical gap simply by linking modern Jews directly to the ancient Judeans, a paradigm that was later embedded in medical science and crystallized as a narrative. So just out of whole cloth, they made up the whole story that <clears throat> Jews are Jews are Jews. It didn't matter, but I think it does. Go ahead, Outcast, or Manny, either one of you guys. Just jump in whenever you feel like it. There's a lot of questions that are <laughs> starting to come up. One, I mean, I don't know, maybe the Robin's going to get Questions piling up. Yeah, maybe Robin's going to get to this, but I just want to, one thing I want to posit to the story is when they did their fake conversion to Judaism, they rewrote the um, the Torah and they called it the Talmud. And although it does have the yes. stories of the Talmud in it, they, they I'm sorry, the, uh, the um, yeah, they, they, they kept um, all of their rituals in it. So there's pedophilia, there's child sacrifice, there's all yes. kinds of wicked things interwoven yes. with the Torah. Uh, so it was kind of embedded within their version of it. I just want to throw that in there. Mm -hmm. Nope, you're, you're absolutely Sorry. spot on outcast. Nope, you're good. So the deep, dark, secret occult ceremonies that was that they were all based on ancient Baal worship, also known as worship of the owl. And so also, you know, connect in your mind the owl shape in Washington, D.C. In order to fool the Confederacy, Confederacy of Nations led by Russia that were watching Khazaria, the Khazarian king melded these Luciferian black magic practices with Judaism and created a secret satanic hybrid religion known as Babylonian Talmudism. So spot on, outcast. This was made the national religion of Khazaria and nurtured the same evil that Khazaria was known for before. Sadly, the Khazarians continued their evil ways, robbing and murdering those from surrounding countries who traveled through Khazaria. And the robbers often attempted to assume identities of the people they murdered. So fast forward to about 1200 AD. So after three or 400 years, almost 500 years of the Khazarians continuing on with their bloodthirsty ways, the Russians finally get tired of it, and the emperor of Russia in 1200 AD led a group of nations surrounding Khazaria and invading it in order to stop the Khazarian crimes against their peoples, <clears throat> which included the kidnapping of their young children and infants for the Khazarian blood sacrifice ceremonies to Baal. The Khazarian king and his inner court of criminals and murderers came to be known as the Khazarian Mafia by neighboring countries. That's sort of a modern euphemism for them. They had a well-developed spy network through which they obtained prior warning and escaped from Khazaria to European nations to the west. So notice the arc uh, arrow heading into Eastern Europe and that they became the Eastern European Jews. Okay, so not connected at all with Middle Eastern Jews. Yep. At all. Yeah. Not I see. even not even in the DNA. For you guys watching uh And so once they Yeah, you can see the arrows. She's got the brown ones and the green or the brown arrows and the yellow arrows. And then you can see where they moved right. to in uh in a long time. I mean, we're talking ninth through the thirteenth century. Wow. 
right. So, so they move into, um, they move into Southern Poland and then kept heading West into Germany, into France, and eventually into Britain. Now for this part of the story, I want to remind your people that where is my, where is my stuff? I want to remind your people of one of our prime suspects in all of this mayhem, the Rothschilds. Yeah. Now, Eustace Mullins in 1984 produced a book called The World Order, a study of the hegemony, I'm sorry, a study in the hegemony of parasitism. And Eustace Mullins wanted to reveal to himself and everyone else what was going on in the world that had everybody all twisted up into knots. He wrote, my search for the names and addresses of the secret rulers of the world became a medieval quest to find the Holy Grail, which would fling open the doors of freedom for the oppressed and betrayed peoples of the world, particularly those in my own country, meaning the United States. These world order minions fear exposure more than they fear armed force or a legal system which would punish them for their crimes against humanity. I have discovered that the hidden manipulators of the world order had maintained their power by a very simple technique, which I have likened to a masked ball. The mask enables the Gnostics, the knowing ones, to identify their friends and enemies because they alone know who is wearing what costume. It's a masquerade, which depends entirely upon disguise, that is, on things which are not what they seem. The bandits of the world order have succeeded in robbing the whole world through the technique of the ball mask, the disguise which enables them to carry on their satanic work without being identified and prosecuted. The ball mask is the ideal vehicle for this program because the world order gained its present power in Europe of the 19th century. It was a truism among the old European aristocracy that, quote, balls are given for those who are not invited, unquote. The guests attend because of duty or career to spend an evening in the company of boring persons when they would much rather be elsewhere. The reward of being a guest at a ball mosque is to be one of the knowing ones, one of the Gnostics, those who know which mask hid the face of the king, which costume is that of the grand vizier. The other guests never knew whether they were talking to a mere courtier or to a powerful personage. The masses with their faces pressed against the windows of the ballroom know none of the celebrants and will never know. This is the technique of the world order, to be masked in mystery with its hierarchy protected by their anonymity and their mass so that those who will revolt will strike out against the wrong targets, insignificant officials who are expendable. The world order record is one of horror as the ghosts of the massacred billions cry out for retribution. Its true nature is described by that master of the macabre, Edgar Allan Poe in the mask of the red death quote while the pestilence raged most furiously abroad the prince prospero entertained his thousand friends at a masked ball of the most unusual magnificence and now was acknowledged the presence of the red death 
He had come like a thief in the night and one by one dropped the revelers in the blood bedeweled halls of their revel and died each in the despairing posture of his fall and darkness and decay and the red death held illimitable dominion over all, unquote. What Poe depicts is what actually happened, is actually happening to the present world under the ministrations and conspiracies of the world order, increasing pollution, disease, and famine, ending in worldwide desolation and disappearance of our species. And so what, what Eustace Mullen does is he goes back into time to trace the history of the Rothschilds. And he says, the modern world's financing system and updating of the Babylonian monetary system of taxes and money creation was perfected in Frankfurt on Main, the province of Hesse, Meyer Amschel Bauer, which later called himself Rothschild, discovered that although loans to farmers and small businesses could be quite profitable, the real profit lay in making loans to governments. So we're talking 1740s. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Go ahead, all Alcast. of those Eastern European Jews who are Kazarians who moved West into what we now know as mostly Europe were money changers. They were excellent um, loaners of gold. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, hundred percent. They're the ones that invented the uh, fractional reserve banking too. You know, back yes. back in the day. So, Alkaz, you had a question. Mm-hmm. Well, all the all the good stuff's coming from Dr. Robin, but I've got little nuggets I want to posit in here too. Yep. Um. So, um. Uh, that that first bank in German was called um, the Rose Shield Bank, which means the Red Shield Bank. But it, in German, it's Rose Shield, mm-hmm. which became Rothschild. FY, just throwing that in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, Manny, what do you think of all this stuff, Manny? Because we're going way back, way back. Uh, You know, this is deep stuff here. This is your Manny. I think you're on mute. You got to unmute yourself right there. And then uh, then you'll be good to go here. Hit that. um, I think it sets the stage for what comes later on in the future from that point of how they set Mm -hmm. up banks and the banking systems. to control them uh, and ultimately profit uh, from them yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Okay, and, and that's yep. what I see. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Uh, another fun nugget I like to make a connection to is, uh, and I got this from Dr. Laura Sanger uh, in the Garden of Eden. Um, the word deceive is uh, nasha uh, or nasa, and in the Collins Concordance, that translates to to lend on interest, become a lender, and usury. Uh, in other words, it's loan mm-hmm. sharking. So if if you go back to the Garden of Eden, I I contend that that means one of the hallmarks of the devil is to enslave through debt. Now it could be a financial yes. debt, which is the more obvious thing and, and very 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 common. But also too, um, I think people will. Well, I know somebody who dabbled in witchcraft before they were born again, and they told me that they did a spell uh, for money to to travel because they needed to get to cross the country, and the next day they got exactly the amount of money that they needed to get back home. Yeah. When they got back home, they had three times wow. the debt waiting for them. So what the devil does is he's got this interest yep. rate. If, if you get something from him, you have to pay it back in spades. And, they, and the hope is, is that you never get out of debt 
and you continue to take out loans until he owns you. So I think if we look at the history of, of mm -hmm. the serpent in the garden and who these people are, I cannot help but see that um, the, the banking system is directly related to very ancient history. And as it says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. This is all very old on repeat. Yep. Yeah. Also, the, 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 the Nephilim hosts. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Well, let me just continue. The Kazarian leaders, because we're going to lead this into how we got to today. The Kazarian leaders had a well-developed spy network through which they obtained prior warning and escaped from Kazaria to European nations to the west, where they were originally, taking their vast fortune with them in gold and silver. They laid low and regrouped while assuming new identities. Remember, they're name stealers. In secret, they continued their satanic child blood and sacrificed rituals and trusted Baal to give them the whole world and all its riches as they claimed he, pro he had promised them as long as they kept bleeding out and sacrificing children and infants for him. The Kazarian king and his court mafia plotted eternal revenge against the Russians and surrounding nations that invaded Kazaria and drove them from power. Now, when they arrived in England, along about the time of Oliver Cromwell, so we're going way back to King Charles I, they hired Cromwell to murder Charles I and make England safe for banking again. This began the English Civil Wars, which raged for nearly a decade, resulting in the regicide of the royal family and hundreds of the genuine English nobility. And this is how and when the city of London was set up as the banking capital of Europe and launched the beginning of the British Empire. So mm. we're talking, what, 1066? Makes, Way yeah, back. totally makes a ton of sense, yes. And uh, Doc Holliday and Trusty right? Turnip over here on Pilled Fox are digging what you're throwing down here, Dr. Robbins. So, yes, thank you. Okay. Uh, is, there any, okay. is there any connection, Dr. Robin, is there any connection uh, with uh, William the Conqueror invading England at that point in time? Um, you know, to take over the country and possibly capture so, the banking. So wasn't, I think it was William the Conqueror, William the First, that made the deal yeah. with the Kazarian Mafia to set up the okay. Bank of England right from the beginning. He was the one, um, he was the one that actually got Charles the first, if I'm remembering my history right, and if I'm not, someone can correct me, but I'm pretty sure that William the Conqueror was the one that had Oliver Cromwell at his side getting rid of Charles the first. So but, the Normans. But if my, if so, my, go ahead. No, I was just saying the Normans no, were, were in collusion with, with the Kazarians. Is that correct? But where did the Normans come from? They came France. from France, right? Normandy, France. Yeah, they mm -hmm. came from France. They so, were French and Viking. Yeah. Yes, from the north. Yes. So, yeah. right. And so you can see the path that the Kazarians took as they wandered their way across Europe. And it's noteworthy to remember that wherever these European Jews went, they were thrown out of every country that they, that they began to populate because they used their Babylonian money system to enslave not just the people around them, but the governments. 
And that's why the governments were tossing them out, you know, after 10 or 15 or 20 years and the government or the monarch figured out that these um, European Jews were draining their blood dry and, and, you know, other things that were going on. That was why the nations of Europe for the last thousand years were kicking the, the Jews out of every single country. And it was also why I believe the Rothschilds became um, focused on having their own land in and around where their ancestors never were, which was the Middle East. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. All right. So let me see where I'm going with this. Um. So in Eustace Mullen's book, where he's talking about, where he's talking about, he goes through a long family tree of the Rothschilds, and he includes every family that was connected with them in business or by marriage. Now the Rothschilds, um, the, the original Rothschild, um, Meyer Amschel Bauer, um, who later called himself Rothschild, he had five sons. And these sons he distributed across the face of Europe, each of them to start their own banking system in different countries. So um, let's see, the oldest son was Anselm, and he was placed in charge of the Frankfurt Bank. The second son, Solomon, was sent to Vienna, and um, he pretty soon took care of all of his rivals there. The third son, Nathan, went to the London branch, but this was way after William the Conqueror had set up the um, city of London being, you know, the center of the banking world. Yep, the hub. Um, Carl the fourth son went to Naples, where he became head of the occult group, the Alta Vendita. And the youngest son, James, founded the French bank of the House of Rothschild in Paris. So they have the five brothers were strategically located all across Europe. Now, this is, um, this is towards the end of the 1700s. Notice where they didn't send anybody. America. Yep. They didn't send anyone to America. And I'm sure we're going to get there. And that comes back to... That comes back to bite them later. Um, wait a second. Well, I, at that time, had, it was just a controlled, uh, you know, America at the time was just a controlled, uh, you know, piece of land by <clears throat> Britain. Right. So, you know, right. I, um, Evelyn de Rothschild said, um, let's see, he said, uh, and, he, and this is quoted in the New York Times, that the Rothschilds grossly misjudged the opportunities directly across the Atlantic, saying that despite the accomplishment made by various branches of the family in international high finance for over 200 years, quote, we never seized the initiative in America, and that was one of the mistakes my family made, unquote. Yeah. So, so across time... These, these five brothers made a pact within themselves that they would never marry anyone that wasn't a Rothschild. So they intermarried 
which if you, if you take a look at how blood diseases happen over the course of generations, you find out that um, intermarrying amongst your first and second cousins doesn't really work very well. Not, not after um, a long period of time. Right. Okay, so let me go to the American Civil War. Um, I sent you an image that, um, Jesse, where I have uh, the Rothschilds, ro Rothschilds role in the Civil War, and it's um, mostly black picture with white lettering. There we go. The American Civil War was engineered by the Rothschild banking elite. The Rothschilds used a divide and conquer strategy to take back America by creating conflict between the North and the South. Gee, where have we heard that one before? Well, that's the North okay. was <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Uh yeah. The North was to be a British colony annexed to Canada under the control of Lionel Rothschild, and the South was to be given was to be a French colony given to Napoleon III of France under the control of James Rothschild. And poor Abraham Lincoln, opposed to this, this, this destruction of America by issuing the greenback to fund its defense against the international bankers. Now, what most people don't realize is that Lincoln was a Rothschild uh, foot soldier. Agent. Yep. Asset. A surrogate. He a, yes, he was we're a all Rothschild right. Yep. Surrogate. Yep. yep. So the Rothschilds put Lincoln in the White House, and then um, you know, basically, I think you can almost hear somebody going to Lincoln and saying, "Hey, we're going to take your country and rip it apart." And there's Lincoln, you know, born and bred American, and decides, "No, we're not going to. We're not going to go that way." Um. So Lincoln reached out to the Russian Tsar help. See, Russia has always been an ally of America. Yep. Russia came to our aid in the American Revolution. And when Lincoln reached out to the Tsar at that time, the Tsar sent help um, in the form of fleets to San Francisco and New York and threatened the British and the Spanish and the French if they inter intervened in the war. So that so again so there's there's Russia, they go after in 740 A.D. They go after the Kazarian king, and then in 1200 the Russian Tsar organizes the countries around Kazaria to um, make them stop their bloody sacrifices. So that's strike two. Strike three is the Russians then help the Americans to rid themselves of the British during the American Revolution, and now we've got a fourth strike where the Russians come and help us out in the civil war. But here's the kicker. President Lincoln approached the Rothschilds for funding to fight the civil war. They agreed, but only you can't even make up this interest rate. They agreed, but only at a 24 to 36% interest rate. So yeah, you can borrow money from us, Lincoln, but we're going to charge you 25% interest. Lincoln refused and created his own debt-free currency that became legal tender for private and public debts. And by 1862, there was $449 million plus dollars worth of debt-free money printed and distributed. And that same year, the, London, the Times of London, which is a Rothschild-owned publication, 
printed this, quote, if that mischievous financial policy, which had its origin in the North American Republic, should become indurated down to a fixture, then that government will furnish its own money without cost. It will pay off debts and be without a debt. It will have all the money necessary to carry on its commerce. It will become prosperous beyond precedent in the history of civilized governments of the world. The brains and wealth of all countries will go to North America. That government must be destroyed or it will destroy every monarchy on the globe. And what were the Rothschilds doing with all the monarchies in, in Europe? They were funding them. Yeah. Controlling you them. You destroy the monarchies. You destroy the money system. You destroy the Rothschilds. So in 1864, President Lincoln became aware of the Russian czar's problems with the Rothschilds' attempt to subvert the Russian government and institute a central bank in Russia under the guise of communism. Guess who funded Karl Marx? The Rothschilds. Communism isn't, communism isn't anything other than slavery. Yep. Lincoln asked the czar for help during the war and Russia sent her fleets to San Francisco and New York with threats to intervene if the British, Spanish, or French interfered in the war. And the next year, in 1865, Lincoln stated, I have two great enemies, the Southern Army in front of me and the financial institution in the rear. And of the two, the one in my rear is my greatest foe. And later that year, Lincoln was assassinated. So the Southern, the Southerners, Jefferson Davis and his cohort knew about all of this Rothschild shit going down and they didn't want any part of it, which is why they were seceding from the union. Can, can you see that now? Yeah. All right. So now let me get to a little thing. The outcast sent me scurrying down a rabbit hole. Okay, so yeah, Sorry. I, I, what I would like, to, what I'd like to do right now, Manny, is this is funny because uh, Outcast brought that to me, and I, you know, so here's a question, Outcast. If you want to put that together right now and just tell everybody what you were asking me, and um, we're gonna let Dr. Robin uh, answer that for you. Uh, you talking about the the incident that started the Civil War? You mean? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so forgive me, forgive yeah. forgive me, listeners, forgive me, Robin, for for lack of information. I just it was a vague recollection that I have of watching a documentary about the Civil War, and I believe it was Fort Sumter, but and I know you're going to correct me if I'm wrong here. But there was a, a military fort that was a northern fort, and it was right on the border uh, with the South. And as things were heating up, um, Lincoln needed the South to fire the first shot to instigate the war. So at the fort, they lit off fireworks one night and the South thought they were being fired on. And then he goaded them into firing the first shot, which in my mind was mm. an early form of a false flag. I brought it up because I was hoping to get more information on it. Mm. And, uh, and, and Dr. Robin, I want to apologize. I wasn't trying to uh, give you tons of homework to do. I just knew that you were the person that would be able to get to the bottom <laughs> of some of this, these shenanigans. You know, I, I knew that you were the, the one. So uh, am I close in that story? Well, I... I actually, I don't know. And if you okay. ever find that documentary, I would like to be able to watch it. But here's what I did find. Okay. The first, um, the first battle of the Civil War, according to the New York Times of 1861, 
was the bat for, was the Battle of Manassas, otherwise known as the Battle of Bull Run. Now, on the morning of July twenty first, eighteen sixty one. Hey, ho- hold on one second. Um, hold on. All right, I just got an error just popped up. <clears throat> it said the, our, our live streaming just stopped over wow. on. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Hamhock says he lost signal in Twitch. That noise you just heard was pilled foxhole. Really? It killed us, and um, oh, no. we're, that's okay. We're still recording. Are we the, getting a little over the target? Yeah, we're directly over the target yeah. right now. So I think we're getting censored. Um, let me see over here. Rumble. Uh, let's see. It looks like Twitch is still going. Uh, let, let's keep going. I'm going to try to restart if I can. I'll try to restart pilled foxhole and and uh, as you're talking, I'm going to see if there's anything else that. Uh, you know, whatever happened, but we're still recording. It's all good for the podcast. Um, and, okay. and yeah, we're still recording, but I'm going to see what I can fix. Yes. Keep, keep going. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Crazy. So on the morning of July 21st, 1861, um, the, the army of the North was about to meet the army of the South right around Centerville. And Richardson's brigade uh, Richardson was the um, Brigadier General of the Northern Army at 5.15 in the morning began firing artillery rounds across Mitchell's Ford, which was a rather a, a large river on the Confederate right and some of the artillery hit Beauregard's headquarters in the Wilmer McLean house as he was eating breakfast. So at quarter after five in the morning in the middle of the summer, there's the Northern Army hurling artillery shells across the river. They keep doing this until about 7 or 7.30 in the morning, and that's when the Confederates started fighting back. And so it's a long, bloody Sunday, July 21st is. The New York Times article ends with, Um, The Confederates routing the Northern Army, sending them uh, no more lingering or dallying. It was a grand and sublime onset of a few determined sons of liberty against the legions of despotism. I think that's what they were calling the Southern Army. The lines of the enemy were broken, meaning the, the Northern Army was running. Their columns put to flight, and until after dark, the pursuit was continued. So the Confederates were chasing them up the road. The route was complete. Off scampered the Yankees, throwing away guns, knapsacks, clothing, and everything that could retard their process. Thus the day was won, and the long, bright Sabbath closed. A lovely full moon looking down calmly and peacefully upon the bloodiest field that the continent of America ever witnessed. It was a full wow. moon. This is crazy. Craziness. It was a full moon. Yeah. It, and you know what? What a sacrifice. Okay. It looks like a whole thing was a sacrifice. Twitch is still there, but only feed. They can't see us, but they they're getting the feed here. So there's, they're still talking in the chat. Um, this is amazing. Dr. Uh, Robin, keep, let, let's keep going. Um, let, let's keep going. Let, let, I'm just going to try to hook up each one individually if we can go ahead, man. Can I ask so, one question so, real quick of Dr. Robin? Yes, please. What was the date? What was the date of the battle of Manassas? 
uh, as July twenty first. July twenty well, first, eighteen sixty one. In eighteen sixty one. Well, Fort uh -huh. Sumter was attacked April twelfth, eighteen sixty one. Okay. According to what I'm seeing. So Okay. So it's I don't quite know which possible. preceded which. Yeah. Well well, April comes before July, so it's possible right. that the documentary the outcast saw with the fireworks um, to get things rolling as a false flag to get the Confederates to finally hurl the first round, real round of artillery. That well I'm I'm yeah, not that's saying certainly that's possible. I'm, oh, it's entirely possible. I mean sure. Look at how Just many to get false the flags we've provocation. had. Sure. Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the Northern Army didn't hesitate to spoil Beauregard's breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to, yeah. the dates, you know, are subject to question because they can manipulate those dates any way they'd like to, to formulate, uh, you know, a narrative. And I'm just trying to true. isolate the facts yep. to confirm. You're, ex you're exactly right. Um, I, I don't doubt what um, Outcast says, but I wasn't able to find anything about it. So I would be mm -hmm. really curious to to watch that documentary if you ever find it. I'll, it'll come now, to me eventually when I saw it. I, I cannot remember, though, right offhand where I saw that. Okay. Um, remember, though, what happened. After the Civil War, the United States found itself in deep, deep debt and what did they do? They went to the Bank of England, which was being run by the Rothschilds, and they made that Treaty of Washington, the Organic Act of 1871, which basically turned the United States into a corporation and sold us all as slaves. So we had the, we had the 13th Amendment, which freed the, the black slaves. Then we added the 14th Amendment, which made us all slaves to the Rothschilds, right? Wow. right. Yeah. So we're kind, of, we're kind of coming back around full circle. Right. We're kind of coming back around full circle. But now let me take it up to um, just after the panic of 1907. Um, Woodrow Wilson, who ran, uh, who ran for president, I want to say he ran in 1912, he was uh, he was voted in, um, came into office in 1913, and on December December 23rd, 1913, way late at night, after most of Congress had gone home, so the question corrupt. of quorum. Unconstitutional Hold on, I'll is take care of that. Infringing on your rights. What will it take for you to open your eyes? Sorry, to guys. At hand? They're You're just really throwing so much stuff at us. It's crazy. Right. Wow. <laughs> They're just throwing everything at us. But we're still going. We're recording. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Robin is coming back right now, and I believe we have her back on. I'm yes, here. yes. Wow. I don't know if we're over some target or whatever. We're, we're still looking good here. It's just the live feed. I, the live feed has I been think crashed. Yeah, I think we're on a heavy bombing run right now with, with incendiary well, bombs. Yeah, you, you don't Perfect get bomb. flack unless you're over the target. So Woodrow <laughs> Wilson, who ran on, he ran on two platforms. The first platform was 
he was not going to institute a central bank. And the second platform was he was not going to get us into any wars. Okay. So he runs on those two platforms. The very first thing that he does is he helps the Rothschilds institute the Federal Reserve System. And then the next summer, World War I starts. Now, how did how did we get involved in World War One? Do you guys remember? Yeah, by the uh, the the false attack on the Lusitania. <clears throat> there was a false flag yep, event on that. That yeah. was it. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the meantime, before we actually got involved, we're doing um, lend lease type of programs with Britain and France to help fight against the Germans or the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, But Woodrow Wilson goes over to the continent for a peace conference, the Paris Peace Conference. He doesn't take anybody from Congress with him. He wants to institute the League of Nations, which was the forerunner of the United Nations. And he he tells the people at the conference this. He says, there is moreover a voice calling for these definitions of principles and purposes, which is, it seems to me, more thrilling and more compelling than any of the moving voices with which the troubled air of the world is filled. It is the voice of the Russian people. There are men in the United States of the finest temper who are in sympathy with the Bolshevism because it appears to them to offer that regime of opportunity to the individual which they desire to bring about. This is out of Eustace Mullins book. Now, The men of finest temper to whom Wilson was referring were the Morgans and the Rockefellers who were cohorts and agents of the Rothschilds. They did not really desire an opportunity for the individual. What they desired was the lifelong imposition of slavery under the world order. And this is the goal which they continue to strive to achieve on a worldwide basis. Now, we also know something else happened. Um, uh, the the Treaty of Balfour in 1917, in which basically the British government gave the Rothschilds uh, a plot of land in the Middle East for all the Jews. And I keep putting the mm. air quotes up here because we know that the Eastern, Euro- Eastern Europeans are not true Shepardic Jews. They're name stealers. Hey, I've got an update, you guys. That was the Balfour Declaration? Excuse me. That was Was the Balfour Balfour Declaration. Thank you. Yes. Rumble. That was the Balfour Declaration in 1917. Yep. And Rumble is still working. Somehow Rumble stayed connected. We got a lot of viewers there. (laughs) Twitch Twitch crashed. (laughs) That's great. Twitch, Twitch crashed and that's gone. Um, the, uh, or, uh, but we still have, uh, oh we still have chats there on Twitch. I don't know how that's going. So if you guys are on, okay. uh, on Twitch, go over to rumble right now, find us on rumble. It's we're still live there. <laughs> go over to and, rumble. and also yeah. pilled.net pilled foxhole that crashed as well. And, uh, I'm just letting people know, go okay. over to, go to rumble. So, all right. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. We're at the bell four. Okay. We're at the bell. Four. Boy, this is exciting. Tonight. Okay. We're at the, <laughs> We're at the Balfour Agreement. Um, So let me continue with Eustace Mullins. He says, these Americans of the finest temper chose Vladimir Lenin to do their work because he had outlined the plan they wanted in his essay, The Threatening Catastrophe, 
in September 1917. And here's the outline of what Lenin wanted to do. One, he wanted nationalization of the banks. Ownership of capital, which is manipulated by the banks, is not lost or changed when the banks are nationalized and fused into one state bank so that it is possible to reach a stage where the state knows whether and how, from where, and at what time millions and billions are flowing. Only control over bank operations providing they are merged in one state bank will allow simultaneously with other measures which can easily be put into effect the actual levying of income tax without concealment of property and income. And the state for the first time would be in a position to survey all the monetary operations and then to control them and then to regulate economic life. And finally, to obtain millions and billions for large state operations without paying the capitalist gentlemen sky high commissions for their services. The Lenin program mm. is not only the program of Soviet Russia, it's the program of Roosevelt's New Deal, Truman's socialism, the post-war labor government in England, and the guiding principle of subsequent American administrations. So everything that the Rothschilds have worked toward for the last thousand years has been complete and total domination of the entire world. Boom, there you and say And in it. order yep. to get the herd of people going, running in the right direction is to create these false flags. And the number one reason they do this is to create fear because fearful people are easy to manipulate. And if Absolutely. you don't believe me, just go back and look at COVID. Yes, there you go. Everyone Boom. was so afraid. Yep. Wow. Boom. You know, go ahead, you guys. Talk talk about that a little bit. The fear. Talk. Talk. Well, I mean, well, you know. I, go ahead, man. Go ahead, Alcast. Go ahead. No, you go. No, go ahead. I, t I talk a lot. Go ahead. No, no I'm seeing it, it, it the, the, the rerun of this right now. Um, with what's going on with the people and what's going on in Israel. Um, there, it's, it's another false flag. It's, it's a repeat of the Russian Revolution of 1917. They've flipped the people, and now they're protesting against the, 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 the Israeli, uh, the country of Israel. And uh, the, I don't think the, the people know what, what they're doing. They're, they're, they're programmed. And that's that's what I'm seeing right now. And of course, our monetary system is in disarray and they're doing that on purpose as well. So that's what I've got to say right at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot, to be, a lot to be accomplished with a World War Three type event that they're trying to foment. Um, right. And it looks like, um, you know, resetting the currency would be high on their list, along with shutting down our 2024 elections. So along with uh, population, more population culling. Uh, there's a lot of different um, <laughs> moving, moving parts, parts. Them wanting, yeah. Yeah, to them wanting to do this. And um, I, I just think that, I, Dr. Robin, I, I, I hope <laughs> I hope you feel the same way and you can you can shore up this opinion. I, I just can't, can't shake this feeling that it's none of it's working and we're watching them spiral out of control. They've lost control of the, I mean, yes, they, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of sheep out there that will support the current thing that the view tells them to be angry about or that MSNBC or even Fox tells them to be angry about. 
But at the same time, it's not the numbers I think that they need to tip the scale because they keep shifting gears from, you know, COVID to Black Lives Matter riots to dengue fever to UFO disclosure to Ukraine. And now it's, uh, you know, the Palestine-Israel Super Bowl chaos. It's uh, always something. Uh, they can't seem to get a, a, a handle on our emotions right now, where in the past right. it was very easily done. And if we go back to this original story, you know, with news taking place during Lincoln's time, you could probably, with a newspaper uh, being, you know, newspapers being the limited amount of information that people had, there was no alternative media, there was no podcasts. You could t- say, hey, the South did this and we had to do this and now this is bad and we got it. And everybody go, yeah, go get them. Yay. Right. Well, well, now they're uh-oh. being met with a lot of. Uh oh, did I, did I? Are you there, Doctor Robin? No, we're we're still you, good here. You froze for a minute. Yep. Oh, did I freeze? But you you, you get what I'm okay, I'm, I'm repeating myself. You. you 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 get where I'm going. I mean, right. I think back then, it, if you look at how right. they have the same playbook, but technology has changed. <laughs> so where newspapers would have got the job done right. during Lincoln's time, and then you know the the mainstream media would got it done during World War Two and. Now we're in a new era, and they are freaking out. I mean, do you feel the same that I do, Dr. Robin, about this? Well, I think, um, I, you know, the Internet was sort of sponsored by the Rothschild's empire, right? When you think about it, um, Mark Zuckerberg is a great-grandson of one of the Rothschild's, and I forget which one. So... The internet is, think about it this way. The internet was, is created. The Rothschilds, and I'm, I'm using them sort of generically as the puppet masters. There, there might be other people who are more in charge than the Rothschilds, but the internet is created in order for the Rothschilds and their gang to keep hold, keep a mind-controlled hold on the people, right? It's an extra little um, net uh, just in case somebody's not watching the TV or cable news, they're caught up on their um, cell phones, watching the social media. And the and how many billions of bots were in Twitter when um, Elon Musk bought it? You know how yeah. many how many millions or billions of bots did he get rid of when he cleaned it all out? And so what's what's been happening from my point of view is that. People have been breaking themselves away from the matrix, the matrix of mind control, of propaganda and brainwashing that has been going on forever. But it the, the intensity of the brainwashing really, really ramped up after 9-11, didn't it? It, it was fear porn all the time. Oh, yeah. You could not... Um, you could not watch a, a cable news show without some kind of fear porn being crammed down your throat. And when we hit the 2016 election, when President Trump won, oh, my God, those people lost their shit. Yep. They, they just had a cow. <laughs> Remember and the video? Remember? They went bananas. <laughs> I still have that video of, they, of all I, the liberal tears crying, going video crazy. Of, yeah. of, oh, the, the salt was flowing. I was, I was laughing. I just made, sometimes I watch that again, just to bring back that feeling of, ha ha, we got you. You know what? Um, you just brought up an idea. I'm going to, I'm going to use that in the show maybe next week uh, as a commercial break or something. That's, okay. that's really good with music behind it and everything. Yeah. There you go. All right. 
Make sure you get the memories music in there, you know, really <laughs> tug at the heartstrings. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but people have been people have been breaking themselves away from the mind control and propaganda. I mean, I think I just read that The View is not going to be renewing their license um, for broadcasting next year in I, 2024. I heard the same right? thing. And, um, and, <laughs> and also Roseanne Barr and... Uh, um, uh, home improvement tim allen they're getting together and she's got a show and her tim show is allen. taking off so that good things yeah I, yeah well I think remember we um tim yeah. allen go ahead manny oh no i was just gonna say i think gutfell had a great oh, impact you guys froze on, again. on the view uh as far as uh, diminishing their viewership because he's really attacked them from his side of it and uh People just laugh at mm-hmm. that, you know, the view now as uh, just fodder. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I think I read just a week or so ago, CNN shut down their headquarters in Atlanta. Yeah, in Atlanta, um, yes. So one by one, these mainstream um, fake news outlets are, are they're just falling apart. Um they, the mainstream media cannot keep up with the alternative media. Um, people are, are running down rabbit holes with research, doing exactly what I just did today to find out some of what is going on. Just tugging a little bit at the mask to, to take it off their face so they can see what's really happening out there. And um, this whole story about the Rothschilds, they have not changed their playbook in 1,300 years. Their playbook is to go in, make loans to governments, take over the banking system, um, entice people into um, taking out too much debt, and then pulling the rug out from underneath of everybody, enslaving everyone. That was why the European Jews were cast out of every single country they went into as they marched across Europe. The only place they've not been cast out of is America. You know, so I don't know, maybe we're stupid, but um, it's reminiscent of if if you look at uh, George Soros's career, um, everywhere that he landed in Europe, he created an economic crash and then he was asked to leave and he bounced around all over Europe until now. I think he resides in China, I believe. Last yeah. I checked, anyways. So it makes me think it's it's very similar with him. You know, he's a a, a, a one man show version of the same thing, right? You know, exhaust the local population, mm-hmm. crash their economy, and then be asked to leave and then go do it to the next host. Right, right, exactly. They're parasites. And as soon as the host figures out how to get rid of the parasite, you know, by taking ivermectin or wormwood or something, the parasite <laughs> has to leave. And and that's that's what's really going on around the world is the Rothschilds and their ilk are being cast out of every country that they've tried to get into. In fact, I think I think I remember in 2022 Vladimir Putin made a public announcement on TV that um, um, George Soros was not welcome in Russia and the Rothschild central banking system was not welcome in Russia. And so, you know, we've got a, we've got 
a whole consortium of countries, the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and six other countries that are going to join them on January the 1st that have basically flipped the Rothschilds a middle finger and said, get out. We're not using your yeah. central bank anymore. You're not welcome here. Hence why they're, yeah. why they're yeah. acting out now with this, with this theatrics, because they're losing right. control. Now right? I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't send it to you, um, but I found a map of an oil field that was found off the coast of Gaza that um, um, is huge. It's, I think it's called the Leviathan and I don't have the map of it to send to you, but um, it was just discovered a short while ago. The easiest way to get to this oil field is through Gaza, even though um, the government of Israel could could kind of go across go their, their very southern little part of, of uh, the Mediterranean there. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that um, Israel is bombing the crap out of um, the Palestinians because what do what do the Rothschilds, what do the European Kazarian Jews want? They want money and power. And right now, oil will do that for them. And we got to so, we got to remember I mean, that there's always a monetary reason. We have there's to remember always a monetary reason why the Kazarian Jews are running after whatever uh, resource they want. Okay, so, I'm sorry. How Jesse. does that? Yeah, go ahead, Manny. Uh, how does that relate now? Okay, you're saying that Israel can kind of circumvent and and go right through Gaza and go right out and capture that oil. Now, are they in bed mm -hmm. with the Rothschilds? Are they part of that? And how does BRICS play a role in the future in relationship to that? Are the Rothschilds history? And BRICS is going to be the new monetary world system? Um, I mean, let me, uh, you, you remind me, it's a two-part question. So let me go to the oil field off the coast of Gaza. Um, this is my own personal opinion. I think the, I think the Israeli government um, is part of their own false flag. Um, you know, the, the Israelis invented Hamas to begin with, right? To um, terrorize the Palestinians. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think there's kind of a, a, kind of a duck and weave here for, for the Israeli government. First of all, they want that Leviathan oil field. And second, if they really are descendants of the Kazarian Jews, they would want as much sacrifice, blood, murder as they can get as they're, as they're going to get that oil field, because isn't that their tactic? They, they have no compunction about killing as many people as they as they feel they need to sacrifice to their God ball. So right. that's that's the one thing. Sure, they 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 don't have to go through Gaza to get to the oil, but they have to go through Gaza to sacrifice as many people as they can to their God. Right. Mm. And we know that the we know that the the um, we know that the country of Israel was basically given to the Rothschild Kazarian Jews at the uh, Balfour Declaration. Right. 
nobody, as far as I know, nobody asked the Palestinians for their permission. It just, the British just gave the, gave it away. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems a little bit like stealing. Oh, that's exactly, to me. exactly. What, one of the, I'm oh, sorry, Go ahead, to man. shed a little light onto that one, um, uh, one of the narratives behind that was the Arab nations uh, sided with Hitler. So when they were carving up Europe after the victory of World War II, uh, they sort of said, well, you guys supported Hitler, Hitler lost, so that you negate your say in this. And so we're carving this land out for for these other people who say, according to the Talmud, that this is their holy land, this is their homeland. So I think that's one of the narratives that they used to, to try to justify it. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. So they justified the theft. Oh, that's that. Yep. It doesn't make it less of a theft. No, I agree. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's one of their narratives. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, Manny, you had a second part to that question. Could you remind me, please? Uh, oh, yes. How does BRICS... Um, tie into that whole situation. Uh, is that going to become the new world so, monetary system? Well, it's, it's, it's according to um, Russian President Putin and the Chinese President Xi Jinping, they, the BRICS countries are creating a multipolar world so that every country will be using its own currency, which will be backed by some precious metal asset, some kind of asset, gold, silver, oil, diamonds, something. It is not going to be a fiat asset, a, a fiat currency. Every member of BRICS will be using their own currency, not the Federal Reserve note, to trade across international lines. And so we will be, we, what we're going to see in the world is a breaking away from the Rothschild central bank model where only one currency is a world reserve currency and everybody has to use it. And we're going to a world where every country will have their own currency and they'll all be a real money because they'll be backed by an asset. And so um, BRICS is very important it's a very important path and step that will be leading us away from these demonic, hang on, I got to edit my words, from these demonic bankers. You don't have to edit. And say, say, what you, say, say what you're going to say. God's money. I was going to say the, the, the BRICS countries, thank God for President Putin and President Xi and Prime Minister Modi of India and, and these other very, very brave people for leading us towards a monetary system where we're all going to be using God's money. There you go. Not yes. the Rothschilds, but cabal Lucifer, Luciferian papers. Go ahead, you guys. And as you're Does that, and did as that you're, make yeah. any sense? Yeah. It makes total yes. sense. And as, as you're talking, you know what makes me think of, too? What a great economic equalizer that would be you know it, it, it's been unfair in a way uh, not in a yeah. way it's been completely unfair that the dollar holds so much sway over everybody else's currency keeping the world in poverty um look what's i mean if you think about it africa has been completely uh sapped of all of its resources taken and distributed around the world and left the people with nothing this type of system would allow the people to yeah uh, 
gain their wealth back again. Again, am I, am I, am I correct in my thinking? Oh yeah. And, um, what we saw over the course of the summer was, um, what, what people in the economic community were calling a land bridge of the seven or eight nations across the center of Africa that were basically telling the French who, who were the colonizers of those countries, basically telling the French to get the, get the F out. We don't want you anymore. You're not welcome here. Take your, take your European fiat Euro and take a hike. And, um, and they overthrew their governments, all of which had been puppet governments of France or, or other European countries. And so what we're seeing across the world is this yoke of subservience of being cattle and chattel to the Rothschild's puppet dynasty. Their, their countries around the world are breaking away from that. And the fewer countries that use the Federal Reserve note as their trading currency, the less power the Rothschilds and their cabal have. Because the only thing that gives this cabal power is using, forcing other countries to use our U.S. Federal Reserve note. And so the fewer countries that do that, the less power they have. And um, I, I just think that we're walking into a world that none of us has ever seen before. We've never, we, not any of us, none of us have ever lived in a world where the Rothschilds haven't tried to control or mostly control every piece of our life from our, from our K-12 education system to our university system, to our local governments, state governments, federal governments, they've controlled their goal. Their sole goal for the last 2000 years has been to control every man, woman, and child on this earth. Yep. Isn't that going to have made it? Yeah. no, Dr. McCutcheon, I just want to inject one thing. Isn't that going to have a devastating effect mm-hmm. right away on the American economy? Because the Federal Reserve continues yes. to print. Biden, they're spending billions of dollars, and I don't know where the hell they're going, but they're worth, They're going to be worthless at some point because we have nothing to back the value of those dollars. So what happens there? That's well, That's what... That's what Jesse's been trying to sound the that's, alarm about, about being prepared for. That's for the, a good question. Yes. Yeah, um, and it's, and it's on point. And yes, when the federal reserve note finally be, gets inflated into hyperspace and people finally stop using it. Yes. For a little bit of time, Manny, it's going to be hard on the American people. Um, but you know what? I, what I see in my crystal ball is that we already have more than half of the states in our country that have passed legislation to make gold and silver legal tender. More than half. <laughs> that's, hour, that's what we've, we've been waiting got, for. Look at this. We've got, we've got, we've got states like Tennessee and Texas that are creating not just through legislation, the legislation is already passed for those states to create their own sovereign gold bullion right. banks. Right. And when a state tells its citizens, you can use gold and silver as legal tender, it takes that state 
out from underneath the umbrella of the Federal Reserve cabal, and it frees those citizens to be free, to be sovereign right. again. Yep. And so, yep. yeah, there's it's it's going to be rocky. I'm not going to pretend that it won't be, but man, oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait for every person in the United States who is born here, a red-blooded American, to fully realize their own sovereignty. Does that make sense? And oh, you absolutely. know what? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a little rough, but I'm I'm gonna lean back on what my dad said when I was a kid. And you know, every time you know something rough came up, he'd look at me and go, "We're Americans. We can do yeah, this. Come on." <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, adding to that, New Hampshire, Arkansas, Nevada, Utah, uh, Idaho, and I think there's a couple of others that are in the works, have already passed their legislation to make gold and silver uh, a viable way to uh, settle your, your debts. So they're bringing back the old yeah. school. One by one. Yeah. And I'm old, looking forward to Yeah. And I I try to tell people that that's what's coming. And they look at me like I'm from Mars. <laughs> I know. I get that from my students. I really do. But look, yeah. what we're, what we're, what you guys do every week and what I do in my classroom every day is little by little peel the onion away peel away the blinders that that have been cast over our head so that we can see more and more of the truth. Um, and some of what we're going to be seeing is not going to be pretty, but we have to look at it so that mm -hmm. so that we will never go down this path again. Um, I made a vow about a little bit over a dozen years ago that I wanted through my classes at Marshall University to be able to be part of the movement to cast socialism and communism into the dustbin of history and rub it out so that nobody ever in any country goes that way again. Mm -hmm. And I had this, I had this feeling, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to live another 150 years, <laughs> but I think it's coming faster. I, th I think that, um, yeah, I think on, on the other side of this, I think we are going to shock ourselves with how fast our economy is going to bounce back. And when President Trump in his rallies says, it's not going to take very much time at all, it really isn't. Because how fast it would take a, a just a flip of a switch to have real sovereign gold and silver currency right. in our hands to use our economy will bounce back so fast. It's going to make your head spin, Manny. But yep, yeah, I believe it. Some of it's going to be rough. And the rough part, the rough part is going to be talking with the people who are still asleep, who are sacked out, yeah. still brainwashed, still yeah. propagandized, can't get their asses off the couch and stop watching the cable TV. So eventually the mainstream media will be telling the truth about things. And if you don't believe me, go and watch Derek Johnson. He's got a telegram channel. He goes through all of the laws and orders, um, how through the war powers act, the 
the wartime president, who is President Trump, has actual power over the mainstream media to force it to tell the truth. And we are very slowly inching the barge in that direction. You can't do this all at once, Manny. My God, do you you know how many people would go crazy? They'd go insane. (laughs) They'd say, no, I just heard yesterday Fox News say this, and now they're saying the exact opposite. No, it's a very gradual change in direction. It's a slow process. And the fact that we four are sitting here and we've got people who are listening to us who are actually, we're way ahead of the curve. Man, yeah, we're right. if we're talking about a wave, we're out in the froth. That's how far ahead of the curve we are. So we've got to have a little bit of patience. We've got to be working within our own community, just talking with people, being kind to people. Um, love your neighbors, love your family, love your students, just, just love on people. And that is going to get them through this very hard, very tough time that it really is just, just love them. And, and when you have to speak the truth to them, use gentle words, not like I told you so. No, just, Hey, I'm, I'm glad you figured it out. There doesn't have to be any I told you so's. So, you know, I guess I guess if you were to pretend that every person that you met was a um was Jesus Christ and you were just so happy to see them. And so that your words would be kind and they would be they would fall lightly on the listener's ear. That's all we need to do is just be kind. And this is all going to work out. We have God's promise for that, don't we? Yes. We do. We do. Amen to that. Um, we do. We, uh, we do. We have God's promise. So we'll, we'll just lean on that. We fight uh, from a place of victory, not for a place of victory. You know, Outcast, you said that right. last week, right. and it took me it took me twice to figure out what you were saying, but it, mm-hmm. it makes total sense. Now that you said it, yeah, I understand it. It's like we already won the battle. We're just playing out the the, the whole ending until it gets here. Um, it's crazy. So Steph Me says, "I do." Right? Yeah, Steph Me on Twitch says, "I do think we're heading to a new monetary system. It will be a bank buy in and reset." Equitably, <laughs> everyone's money. Dig uh, digit control, uh, digital control over everything. We pulled our money out as much as possible. Not that we had much in there anyway. Well, see, that's a smart thing. I did the same thing. And Outcast, yeah, go ahead, Outcast. I, I, I'm not trying to interrupt. I just want to just want to get in the queue for something yeah. to say. You yep. go ahead. You, do we want to finish your thought? Well, I just want to <laughs> tell you guys that we lost Rumble just a couple minutes ago. It stayed for so long. We had a lot of viewers going, and we lost Rumble a lot ago. But but the weird thing is, we still have live chatters. I don't understand how that live chatters on Twitch. So that's working. But 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 yeah, no well, but no worries. Yeah, but no worries because my machine over here is capturing everything. I, I have two backups of everything going right now. So excellent. We all all we lost was that's awesome. Some live viewers, but in in, in the podcast everything you'll hear it all. So it, it's great that way, but I have no idea what happens. Nothing on my end. All the equipment is running 
flawless and nice right here. It's it's the live viewing, it's the live streaming uh, software that did something, and that's not my control. So uh, let's just yeah. keep keep pushing forward uh, until you're done. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're past well, our time now, but go ahead. So one thing you I just want to piss somebody uh, off, and that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah Outcast yeah. did it. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, um, but what, uh, one of the things I wanted to say was um, I haven't thought this through. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. But if you remember when Obama was in office, he said he made remarks stating that um, we were going to see a time in the very near future where people in third world countries were going to rise and elevate in their economic status, as Americans were going to be brought down, and we were all going to be evened out. And I think what he was talking about was it was the globalist desire for a one world communism that was going to bring everybody into serfdom. Um, what's interesting is, you know, God wins and and they can make all the plans they want. And what if if this if this gold backed currency thing is actually happening, which it does seem like it's got legs. We're looking at the same concept, but in a better scenario where everybody has a better opportunity. Yeah. People in third world nations can be risen up. And, you know, what, and I'm drawing another correlation too. in my business life. I was sitting in on a meeting and they were talking about our man, you know, manufacturing. We've done a ton of manufacturing with my company in China. The government has told us uh, we, they want us out of China, about 85 percent out of China within the next five years. Uh, and we're going to see a rising uh, manufacturing economy coming out of Bangladesh, uh, Vietnam, and India. North Africa, and North Africa. So, so let's say all those countries get their gold-backed currency, and they mm. can get some industry. You, you mean you're looking at uh, prosperity for everybody? Not that Americans are going to lose so much as that everybody's going to rise up. Mm -hmm. Obama wanted to bring us down. Yeah. And then, but in this case, it looks like maybe people could possibly all rise up to our standard. I don't know. Just throwing that out there, thinking out loud. Well, the one thing I'd like to add is the one thing we have to be careful of is, is whenever this takes place, whenever BRICS really comes into focus and gets going, the, 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 the American dollars are going to come back to this country and they're going to create hyperinflation. To, is my belief. Yeah. But we all have to prepare ourselves to get into the mode of forgetting about the dollar and start thinking about the metals and the gold and the silver and starting to acclimate ourselves to that way of currency, of using that currency. And if you do that ahead of time, uh -huh. when the time comes when the dollar takes up and goes down, you, you know, you've already uh -huh. converted most of your wealth into something else that is tangible, like gold and silver. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if that's idea. Idea. Yeah. Here's a novel idea for people. Start living at or below your means. Oh. Stop yeah. Stop this opulent lifestyle that you, you don't need. A bunch <laughs> of junk. You know what I mean? You're talking but, my right. game, Outcast. You're talking my game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the chicken man! Took right the words there. right out you of need my eggs? mouth. Go see him. Yes. Go see oh him. my god! Right. You guys don't so understand how, right. how how good this makes me feel, because all this technology and all these things, you know, they're here to help us a little bit in the in the temporary, but in the long run, like I always say, even our Patriot mm -hmm. text thread outcast, in the end. Low tech is going to beat high tech. All right. Yep. It's what it comes down to again. If you don't have a shovel, buy a shovel. If you don't have a hammer, buy a hammer. 
If you don't have an AR-15, buy three AR-15s. All right, buy things. <laughs> we're all, this is the stuff we're gonna need. We're gonna need all these things, you guys. Yes. I mean, I, I just love it. Uh, buy, buy cast iron pots and skillets. <laughs> buy, buy everything that that our forefathers needed when they were crossing the Valley Forge, when they were living in the Valley right. Forge, trying to cross the river. You got to have all those things because all this technology one day is going to be pulled away. And when it happens, don't be dependent on it. If you're dependent on it, you're screwed. Okay? Yeah. If you can turn your, your breakers off for two days in the house and figure out how to live, you're going to be all right. Yep. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, man. <laughs> Hands-on stuff. Primitive yeah. camping, Jesse. That, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to change the name to primitive camping. I I, I have a confession <laughs> that I'm I'm not a um. I I I don't really desire to live in a primitive fashion. Yep. Um, <laughs> I used to tell my mother I I didn't come into this life to be a a farmer or a farmer's wife. I, I really didn't. Mm -hmm. And to prove it, I can't even grow tomatoes or peppers. Although <laughs> I do pretty good with trees, but um, tomatoes and peppers, no. Um, things are going to work out. I think that what we've got coming on the horizon are forms of energy that we've never been allowed to have before. I think that when the Tesla energy is allowed to flow through the United States, um, we're going to have we're going to have more freedom and less debt and less bills and less utility prices than we've ever seen literally in our entire lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the hopes, one of the hopes that I have is that rather than becoming even more greedy and consumer conscious and, and, you know, suck up everything in the economy. My hope is that um, people will reach out in their community and find ways of helping people that maybe don't quite have their shit together. Can I say it that way? Yeah, you can say sure. it every way you want. Oh, I, I love it. it. Yep, I love it. So, <laughs> peanut butter is peanut butter. Yeah. So, so but I, I, th I think that, I think that eventually, and, and I don't know if it will happen in 10 years or 20 or maybe even on a hundred years, but I think that we're going to find ourselves living on an earth where people are much more kind and loving to each other because there, there won't be that nagging puppet master and all of his minion cabalists trying to tear us apart and get us to fight each other. So, I mean, and that was the whole point of, of Rothschild's mask of the red death was to get us to fight with each other so that we wouldn't notice what they're doing to us. And and they're still using that so, same that, anyway, that that same tactic point. works today, Dr. Robin. That same tactic works, I see it every weekend. It it works nonstop. Uh do one thing over here, you know, the, like the mag magician. He he's doing puppets and and mm -hmm. card tricks with this hand. Don't watch what this hand is doing. Okay? It's, it's the same right. thing. But Pe that's, 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 yeah, that's going to go away though. 
right? I as hope. as we peel these the wool away from our eyes and we peel more and more and more of the wool away from our eyes, we'll be able to watch both hands what the magician is doing and we'll be able to say, "Hey, stop that." Yeah. We see you. You know, and, and that's the reason that this deep state cabal is going to lose is because millions and millions of people all over the world are being citizen journalists, just like you, Jesse and outcast and Manny. And, and you won't be able to get away with shit. Nothing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, one of the thing, one of the things, listen, think about this, the internet, the internet creates a space where there can be no secrets and and I think it's just ironic that the Rothschilds created the internet, and with the internet, we can see everything that they're doing. There can be no secrets. It backfired. And when we live in a world where there are no secrets, you can't have any skeletons in your in your in your closets either, right? Yeah, it's, it'll be totally transparent. Look at those. Um, Look at what the FBI just did this last week, raiding a couple of brothels over in D.C. And now all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, we've got 70 Johns, you know. Who are they? Caught. What's what's their names? You know what's crazy? <laughs> I don't know. You know what's they crazy? Vote, they, 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 they're probably all in Congress. They're indicting Trump. <laughs> they're indicting Trump, you know, it seems like every day, right? But we still don't know who's on Epstein's uh, black book list. Do we know? Yeah. No. Well, didn't 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 I just see that somebody dumped a PDF of Epstein's flight log out on the internet? <laughs> yes, we did. Just last week. <laughs> yep. Was that was that Marjorie Taylor Greene? I think she did. Oh, yeah, yeah, she dumped Arizona. it. Yeah. We could do a little bit of. Poking around. Yeah, we we can do a little bit of um, deductive reasoning, right? Yeah. <clears throat> well, so I I I think that I think that the the technology that we have that we can use as tools is going to allow humanity to be able to see the puppet master to to be able to see the wizard in the Wizard of Oz. And once that screen, once that curtain is pulled aside so we all can see it, there's no going back. I, I amen. hide anymore. Amen to all that, Dr. Robin. And, uh, you know, we're we're running a little bit late after this. You know, I tell you what, we put so much good information tonight. I, I just want to thank you guys for putting so much good information out there. Dr. Robin, you brought the heat like I thought you would. Outcast, Manny. I mean, she, she said a ton of good stuff here. And, you know, we're getting ready to wind down the show. It's been a heavy, it's been heavy on my heart, uh, but it's been so sweet in a special way too, right? This has been a great show. I, I loved it. Um, yeah. I want to end it in a positive way. You know, we, we sort of upended it right there at the end, Dr. Robin. Thank you for that. But um, we're in December. We're mid-December. In, in a few weeks, we're, we're going to have Christmas. We're going to have snow on the ground. We're going to have family around. I, I just, can you touch on some traditions you know some holiday traditions just to give us a, a another feeling of that sweet special feeling before we go and, and when you do that listen i'm gonna play some music that i like i love christmas music and i'm gonna play something <laughs> so you know if, if it <laughs> while you're talking dr robin mccutcheon i'm gonna give you a little background listen to this listen you guys manny outcast i'm listening 
I love this stuff right here. So, Dr. Robin, do you have some holiday traditions that you can just briefly go over and just put us in that mood? Because it's it's time. I mean, just like the stuff we used to know. Just like my grandma and grandpa used to tell me. Yeah. You see my bubble lights? Yes, I do. That's awesome. When I was when I was when I was a little girl, and we my my mom and dad uh, would drive us to my grandmother's house, and it was a a big old Victorian house in northern Michigan, and my cousins would have dragged a twenty foot blue spruce through the house that they cut down themselves. The best blue spruces were the ones with bird's nests in them. And um, my grandmother and the adults in the family would spend all day behind closed doors decorating that blue spruce Christmas tree. The children were never allowed to see it because we were, we celebrated Christmas the German way. And on Christmas Eve, someone would ring a bell. They would ring a bell and that would mean that Santa that St. Nick had arrived and brought all the presents or the coal to all the children. And my grandmother and all of her children and all of the grandchildren would be together around the tree, just loving each other. Everybody got a little something. It wasn't huge and extravagant. I mean, it looked huge because there were lots of presents, but most of us only got one or two little things. But the most important thing was just being with people that you loved, just sharing the time and crystallizing in your head those memories that will carry you through when the times are tough. You know, um, all of those people are gone now. They're all, they're all with God. But I can still remember walking through that house, smelling that fresh, pine scent, looking at all the Christmas tree needles spread out on the ground. And, you know, that's, that's, those are the memories that hang with you for decades. It's not ever going to come back, but they're always, all those people are close to my heart. And that's what Christmas is really all about. I love it. I love it. That is that that hits me right here, Doctor Robin, because I think we all have those same people. I have those memories of waking up. I remember the smells in the house that was going on. I remember the cat running by the tree. Um, I remember my cousins running around the tree and just so excited. We had to go to Christmas mass, midnight mass, and all that stuff. I remember all my cousins, my aunts and uncles, yeah, just having a great time. And the, the anticipation of Christmas, it yeah. built up. It built up, you know, from from just after Halloween all the way through November, through Thanksgiving, and it just kept ramping up. And as a kid, I think we all felt that. And it's just, you know, we're in the middle of that season right now. I can't wait till my girls come home for Thanksgiving. You know, one's going to stay. Well, they'll be back for Christmas, but... We're, we're working on, me and the wife, we're working on having the house looking like Christmas when they come here. She's doing the tree now. I'm going to put lights up That's this weekend. Awesome. And we're going to have both girls here. And I can't wait because they're going to come home. 
They're going to take a deep breath and be like, man, we're home. We're finally home. We're going to get real food again. They can play with the chickens. They can shoot the guns. They can ride whatever. They can do whatever they want. At school and away from home, they can't do any of that stuff. But they're here. When they're when they're here next week, yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I, I just I'm anticipating that. The smells of the food, the 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 the, the, the my grandma's drinks that she makes for the horchata and all that stuff. For I just I, I'm I'm happy for all that. Manny, give us a little something before we go. Oh, I got a lot to say. <laughs> First of all, I want to thank Dr. Robin McCutcheon. Yep. For her insight, her intellect, and her understanding of world economics and how she's enlightened us this evening. I would like as a Christmas wish to have her and myself and Ludwig von Mises sit down and have a three-way discussion awesome. <laughs> on the economics <laughs> of the world. Yeah. Because I think, I, I, I mean, he was one That'd of my be heroes. Awesome. And I would love to hear from both of you because I'd be an idiot in a corner uh, trying to decipher everything you two discussed, but I would try. I'd give it a whirl. I'd be sitting right next to you, Manny. <laughs> I'd but be sitting right next to you, just listening. Yeah, and you know, I it, it was just something that I did when I was younger, and I uh, um, I just felt an attachment to his way of of understanding economics world economics. But the other thing with Christmas and the spirit of Christmas, I go back to the olden days and I still remember the 1939 uh, Christmas Carol with Alistair Sims and Roddy McDowell in black and white. Um, that was our TV show at Christmas every year growing up in the 40s, 50s, and the 60s. Then all of a sudden we got catapulted into the new age um, you know, with the new Christmas stories, and those were okay, but I always go back to the old black and white ones because I think they had more of a, a flavor and a sentiment, true meaning of Christmas. Awesome. So that's me. That's awesome, Manny. Thank yeah. you. Outcast. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, Outcast, awesome. I know this This means a lot to you too the, during this, this whole season. Um, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, it's my, you know, I, I really appreciate Dr. Robin's sentiments because uh, it, it puts a really good perspective on uh, loss, losing people. Um, and, I, and I've got a few things to say about that. But so the, I've been kind of avoiding the holidays the last few years. It's just been painful because, you know, my mom and dad are both gone and I have a brother that's gone. And yeah. I just feel like families shrank and um, uh, going back has been has, has been bitter at times. But you guys are really putting a positive spin on it. It's like just because it's past doesn't mean it's gone. It's in your heart. Yeah. Um, you, you were mentioning some childhood memories and I just have a few to share just a couple neat things. Um, our, you know, church, we go on Christmas Eve to church and I remember they'd always turn off the lights and, and we'd pass uh, a light through a candle and sing silent night, and, uh, raise the candle in the dark. And I remember that was always kind of a, a really warm, special feeling when I was a kid, our neighborhood had a strange tradition that still goes on to this day that I grew up in. Um, I don't know how they orchestrated everybody in the neighborhood to participate, but they would take back in the seventies was paper bags. And then they switched to, to plastic uh, milk jugs, but they put sand and a candle in it. And they would, they would line the streets as if to say they're lining the way for, for Christ and the whole neighborhood, all the streets on Christmas Eve were all lit up with, with candles um, all up and down the streets. That was always kind of a neat thing. And coming back from, we'd go to you know Christmas Eve service 
go to my aunt's house and then we come back and the, the neighborhood was still lit up like with the, with the lights. That's a pretty cool memory. Uh, funny little thing, just to make you guys laugh. Um, I, I, as the youngest of four, uh, people were very desperate to ruin Santa Claus myth for me. So I was pretty young to figure out that Santa Claus was, was baloney. Oh, no. Um, so, but I mean, I had my, I had my suspicions, something was up with Santa Claus. And, um, what happened to me was I remember the first clue was, I think it was in kindergarten, Santa Claus came into our classroom and we got to sit on his lap and tell him what we wanted. And I was sitting on this guy's lap and, and his, uh, oh, his, no. he had, his, uh, shirt was puckered. So I could see the fringe of a pillow stuffed in his shirt. I was like, wait a minute. That's not real fat guy. That's a pillow in there. That was my first clue. <laughs> Then I was at home and I uh, was digging around trying to find, um, I, I literally was, I was not snooping. I swear you guys don't accuse me of snooping. I was, I went under my mom's bed to look for something. And there was a, um, a star Wars X-wing fighter. And, um, I was like, Oh, and I was stoked that I was getting that for Christmas. Now here was my, this is how my thinking was as a kid. I was like, now I have to pay, pay close attention to the tag to see where this comes from on Christmas morning. <laughs> and sure enough, on Christmas morning, it said from Santa. And I was like, baloney. The, the jig is up. Santa is BS. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Robin. I, I was going to say, Outcast, um, with respect to um, shrinking family sizes. Um, I came from a really huge family, not, not my own parents and my sister, but the extended family was a huge tree above me. And it, I didn't notice really that it was shrinking in size until I was probably in my forties. And all of a sudden it, it just hit me. Oh my God, my, my, yeah. my, my tree is gone. And when my, when my, when my dad and my mom passed away, I suddenly realized that um, as the matriarch of the family, um, <laughs> that I needed to start some new traditions. And so I began reaching out to family members that I hadn't seen for a while, just to make a connection, just to start new traditions. And I didn't hang on to those traditions very long. Every couple of years, I would change things. But my point is, is that as we're, as we grow older and that family tree begins to prune itself away, it is our responsibility as the older members of the family <laughs> to make traditions for ourselves that we pass along to other people, not just our children, but to my students, to my friends in the neighborhood. Did, do you understand? I do. It's, yeah. it's part of as we grow older, it is also our responsibility to lead the way. Yeah. So I would encourage you to jump back in, the water's fine, and bring those traditions that you loved as a child, bring them to your new church. Start that lighting of the line. Bring, bring all of those things that you loved as a child, 
bring those forward because that's what keeps us going when the times are really tough. And Manny, I am yes. so, I can't tell you how honored I feel that you are with us tonight. You are one of my favorite co-hosts and I love well, your insight. I'm so grateful that you're with us tonight. So thank you so well, much for spending time well, with us. It's likewise, Professor. I, I hold you in high reverence for your uh, understanding and knowledge in economics. And, you know, I, I just feel, you know, just so odd in your presence. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you guys, listen, well, I, this is praise this, is far too high. I can feel the love in the room tonight. You <laughs> and guys. Jesse, I've got something to say for I can. I got something to say to you, Jesse. All right. When those girls come home, you make sure they play with the chickens and shoot the guns and take the RVs out and don't let them walk on thin ice. Because, because someday those girls, because some days those girls are going to come home with men. I know. And then they're going to come home with babies. Yep. Yeah. And you are going to find such joy in all of that. So, yes, decorate the house. Make them miss home so they come home and stay well i yeah. love that that's a great sentiment and I, that's exactly what i plan to do so uh it, it's it's been awesome and uh you know tonight you guys outcast i think you have bruce with you don't you is bruce there with he you just he was just pounded down the door i, I heard it this that. time i heard it this time <laughs> yeah. and that's awesome but bruce the giant cat uh you know you I, next time outcast i want to see him there he is right there we got to dress our there cats, our, our pets up in some Christmas stuff and get them on the screen. So look at big, angry yeah. Bruce, Nephilim cat. That's awesome. He's, so, he's, so <laughs> he's a Nephilim cat. Yeah, he's awesome. He's huge, man. So listen, when, I oh, think. 20 pounds of filthy loving. It exa yeah. Exactly. We've had, listen, you guys, We this has been a, a an emotional roller coaster by night. I'm telling you, I didn't, ex I expected something mm -hmm. else. I think we got something even better. Um, it's did. just the, the, the way that this roller coaster ended up. I, I'm glad we're here. We went through a lot of crazy stuff. It's late. We're going to have to end it. Um, but I just want to say thank you, Dr. Robin McCutcheon uh, from Marshall University. You guys check her all out. Uh, we lost our live feed, so it's just us four. It's crazy. It, the way that live feed just kind of died <laughs> off and got zapped and got killed. Um, but, you know, I'm sure everybody's in, in, in the podcast is going to understand and be able to listen. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen to it again because this is just nuts. So um, yeah. this is this is uh, this is the part of the magic of the season, I guess. And, uh, yeah. you know, Outcast. Um, wow. Did you ever think this ride was coming like this? I, I had no expectations <laughs> <Yeah>. of this. <laughs> no. But, Dr. Robin, I'm so grateful that you were open minded to taking some uh you know, some leads from us. I, I didn't mean to make uh, extra work for you, but I knew that you were the person to really shed light on that topic. So thank you so much for your, yeah. uh, your, your knowledge and your input. You are a huge asset to the show. So we, we really appreciate you. And I, like I said, I wasn't trying to make things uh, <laughs> hard on you. I just was like, <laughs> oh, I should, she can really go wild with, this, with these ideas. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to the next exciting well, episode of just, the foursome. <laughs> Next next yeah. time, just give me a couple of days instead of you know one <laughs> hours. Yeah, <laughs> and, and hours. then I can then I can really bring the well. Then listen, I can really bring the yeah. fire. Well, sometimes you know, for, for us anyway, for me and Outcast, it's like when we're backed up against the wall and we have nowhere to go. 
that's kind of like when we feel like we're at our best because it's unexpected. We're flying it. off our feet. You know, yeah. it's just we're just reacting and, and, and just trying to bring the heat. So, um, you know, I'm just glad that you were here and, yeah. and glad you made time for us again tonight. Uh, we probably won't talk to you again until after Christmas. Um, you know, unless you pop in at some show, you guys, if you're watching, you have the link. You can pop in anytime. It doesn't matter. You too, man. If there's something going on that you guys are watching <laughs> yeah. us, oh, okay. one of these, just pop in and say, hey, I want to add this to the conversation. You can bounce. It's up to you. So, so I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we're going to let you go, Robin. And um, just thank you so much. And, and okay. you know, God bless and everything. Tell, tell, uh, tell yeah. uh, your husband, Tim, that we said hi. And... Um, can't wait to, to to see you guys. If we ever, if you guys come to Michigan, listen, we have to get together. We have a lot of people out there in the in the in the interwebs that want to have some sort of a meetup with us. So, yeah, forum, an open forum. Yeah, awesome. we'll go somewhere, get coffee, get, get 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 whatever we can. Listen, yeah. it's it's it, we can make we this can happen. Yes, let's do that. So, if you guys let just let me know, all right? Okay. So, we're going to let you go Dr. Robin well, McCutcheon, you guys. We go. Yes, go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Before before I let you go, I want to say happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas, guys. I love it. Happy I'm, Thanksgiving. I'm Merry Christmas. Thank you. I'm clapping my hands and thank you so much. All right. And don't be afraid thank to say you. Merry Christmas, you guys. Don't let them do yeah. that to you. Merry Christmas. All right. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Eat a lot. Christmas. Hug nice. the family. Create those traditions. Make those traditions on your own. Just like Keep she them. said, you guys. Make traditions. Don't let the tr- traditions yeah. die. Awesome. All right. Dr. Robin McCutcheon, thank you so much. Make traditions great again. <laughs> exactly. Right, we we'll love having you, you on here, you guys. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, man. What do you guys think of that? Wasn't she awesome? Oh, yeah. Oh. A very emotional uh, moment. Yes, man. the whole podcast. Uh, she's great. Yeah. I'll be on with her anytime you have her on. And you and Outcast. I don't want to be there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. This is the season, man. Yeah. I oh, think man. the chemistry is perfect. Yeah. You know, between us. And, I uh, do too. So that's that. Yeah. That's why I said it's like, oh, wait, Robin's on. We got to have Manny on. And uh, so <laughs> awesome. And, yeah. and Outcast, thank you so much, man, for, for bringing that up. I mean, I asked yeah. you, was it yesterday I asked you? I can't remember. One of these days I, I said, hey. It was more like Friday, I thought, or something. I said, maybe hey, Saturday, maybe it's Saturday. Yeah, I said we. Yeah, need, I was kind of quick too. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. But, so I'm glad you guys were able to do this and stuff. But uh, listen, we got to go. Um, Why? Because <laughs> tomorrow's what coming. Tomorrow is oh, coming. Yeah, we got to go to work. <laughs> Outcast, do you want to give us a um, something before we go? Give everybody something, or did you already say it? it's up to you, brother? Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to make the t- clock go too long, but I do have a, a a true story to tell you from Friday. Yeah, and I think it strangely kind of somehow ties into a lot of this stuff. Okay, uh, especially with the holidays. Um, so true story. Um, on Friday morning, I was doing my morning prayers, and I found myself uh, offering myself to God once again, saying, "Hey, you know, use me as you will today." Yep. Now I I had to meet with a with a customer where I knew that it was a new buyer. And sometimes it's like starting all over again when people switch roles and, I, and there's a little bit of anxiety that goes along with that. And I'm thinking, am I going to lose anything in this account because of this? You know, what's going to happen? There's uncertainty there. But I thought, you know what? I am not going to worry about this. I'm going to I'm going to pray before I go in the office, put it in God's hands. But so I did a, you know, there's two things going on there. I'm thinking about a customer that I'm worried about meeting 
and I'm also praying and offering myself up as uh, to, to you for God to use me as he sees fit. Okay. Yeah. Two things. I go in for my appointment and I meet with this buyer and she's just glowing. She's just the nicest gal. And she just goes, I wanted you to know that um, your reput reputation precedes you. Um, everybody's told me that you're probably one of the nicest reps in the industry to work with and that you you have integrity and that this should be a great thing going forward. And I was like, I mean, I was just, I knew it was a God thing. I was like bowled over and I, and I was humbled by it. And I said, listen, I said, now mind you, I, I cannot, I always already offered myself up to God as a set as to, to use as his will. So I can't miss an opportunity. So I said, I appreciate you saying that I'm humbled by that, but, um, I want you to know that left my own devices. I'm not a good person, but because of my faith, God has shaped me into a better person. And it is, and it, and it fortunately translates into my business life. And she's like, well, I'm a Christian too. So then off to the races we went. Uh, we end up having this really heartfelt, amazing conversation. I, I got to give her my testimony. And she's like, oh, my gosh. She goes, you have no idea how badly I needed this conversation today. She goes, um, I, I dread the holidays. Um, my mom uh, died an addict. Um, it's a long story, she said. But um, when I was a little girl, this doctor is now, I think, in jail or he lost his license. But there was a doctor that was over prescribing opioids to get people addicted. And he's been held accountable, mm. but her mother never was able to escape um, addiction, and she kept going back and forth, and then she, until she got into hard drugs, and she and she passed away about five years ago. And she's like, I dread the holidays, and I just I needed this conversation so bad. Yeah. And she goes, I, I she goes, you need a forum, you need to be like a, a pastor or something. I said, Well, I have a podcast, you know, that's where where God's using me. And anyways, we just had this great conversation, and how we wrapped up is, I said, Listen, I said, Amber. Um, I hate the holidays too. I lost my, I've lost my parents and my, I've lost a brother and I dread them as what like you do. So here's the deal. I'm going to be praying for over you this holiday season for the peace of the Holy Spirit to come over you, for you to be, be able to move forward and not look back at the past, but just move forward with your new, with new traditions. And I'm going to ask that you do the same for me. And we, we cried and we hugged it out. It was crazy. Awesome. So I guess I just, what I'm trying to say is, um, um, there's people out there that are hurting this time of year. I know I mention it every year, every holiday. Yep. Um, uh, pray for people in your life that you think might be, might be lonely. Um, maybe reach out to them during the holidays. I know they get busy and you're thinking about your own kids and in decorating and all the things you got to do, but maybe think about somebody who might be hurting and, and offer yourself up in prayer to God and say, use me as you, as you see fit fit. Every time he uses me, I don't see it coming. I'm like, Whoa. I mean, I, I was blindsided by the, by the whole thing, but at the same time, I've learned not to be surprised what God works at the same time. But yeah. Um, anyways, I, I don't know if that translates as, as interesting or, or, or cool to you guys, but I just want you to like, he, he, he was healing me as I'm healing her and everybody, you know, and God's being glorified. Uh, I found the scripture for some reason. I see a slight correlation to it. I'm going to read it real quick. Well, it's from, be um, before you read that outcast, I'm not surprised that they came to you or she came to you and said these kind of things. I mean, that's, 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 I feel the same way, and that's why you're here on the show with me. I mean, it's it's that's that's you. That's just you. I, and, and again, I would say to 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 help ease those losses of the past holidays. What Doctor Robin said is so smart. Make new traditions or bring sure. old traditions back. Uh, oh but, yeah, yeah. I, I love it, these traditions. I love. It that. helps to bring them back. Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, side note with this gal, her name was Amber. Um, her and her husband are totally into preparedness and living off grid. And her 10 year old son, by the way, just announced he wants to be baptized. Um, awesome. 
and uh, they they go hunting together. They they clean and dress the deer together. They, the whole family's in on it. So she she was. They were d- dangerous info all the way. People. Awesome. They really were. Turn them on to the yeah. show. Yeah. Go ahead and read that, yeah. and then um, we'll get something from. Yeah, Andy. read this. We'll get out of here. Okay, okay. So Colossians four. I don't know why, but this jumped out at me the other night when I was reading. It says, um, "Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message." So that he may got um I'm sorry I'm having a hard time reading so that he may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am uh, I'm in chains pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should be wise in the way you are toward outsiders make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone I don't know if you see the correlation there but if you devote yourself to prayer and with a heart of gratitude and then open yourself up to be used, God is going to, and then you're going to season your conversation with the salt that people are, that they need, you know, the salt, salt adds flavor, right? And if you've got uh, Christ in your heart, you're going to speak with flavor. So, so people living in this dark world, they're going to recognize you by those things. So, um, yeah, I was praying that morning and it led me into a conversation with this person. And then she's telling me that, um, I shed light on her day and she needed it. And um, I don't take any credit for that. May God increase uh, as I decrease. I, I just, I was just glad to be used that day. Yeah. Um, but that's, that should be everybody's mission out there. You know, don't let the matrix pull you in and think that Christmas is about consuming. Uh, Christmas should be about love and, and reaching out to people. So that's awesome. kind of my message. Heck yeah. I love that, man. Uh, Manny, do you, what do you have? Uh, do you have something or did you say it before? Well, I think I've said everything I could possibly say yeah <laughs> uh with the holidays coming up of course looking for you know a lot of peace and um happiness and all of that that goes with the holidays uh i think this podcast was probably one of the most exciting and best ones i've ever participated in i felt like wow there's a lot of information that transpired between all of us in a circle, which was so relevant to today mm-hmm. that it you you can't overlook it. Now, if I share this with family and friends, they'll probably say, <laughs> well, here he goes again. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, it doesn't matter because, because I know. Yeah. And eventually they'll find out. Yeah. And. They'll have to deal with it. So well, that's but that's I've, my sentiments too. With man. that said, I mean, our brotherhood and to have Doctor McCutcheon on is always a pleasure. Yeah, I, I look agree. forward to it. So don't Amen. if she's on again, just call me and say, yep. you know, she's coming on. I'll be there. We'll do that again so, in the new year. I'm sure that uh, yeah. that'll be great. So we got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, that's coming up around our neighborhood. That's right, and I'm sure I'll see you. Uh, somewhere along the line, I'm thinking of getting some pastelis in from Ooh. New York. Oh, I'm down yeah. with that. I'm down with that. Outcast, you gotta, <laughs> no, you you gotta have some pastelis. They're so good, Outcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 What yeah. is it? It it's, it's well, a Puerto Rican. Yeah, it, go ahead. You can think of a tamale, but it's not wrapped in corn. It's wrapped in uh, aluminum foil, and they're flatter. Right. They still have some meat inside. There's some masa in there. Um, it's similar. It's like a cousin to a tamale. 
But right, but, but it's not a tamale. Yeah, it's not. Sounds the, like you can't lose. It sounds really good. It's so good. No, man. I it's love a, it's a Puerto Rican specialty. Yeah, it's that nice. is eaten during the holiday. It's awesome. So I remember my, awesome. my grandma yeah. and grand, uh, my yeah. grandma and yeah. all the aunts and uncles and all them, they get in line and make these things. I would days. make them myself, but it's too much work. Well, it's a big job, yeah. man. You can't do that. It's a big job. Yeah. You have to get outcast and Dr. Robin. It's easier to fly him in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. Awesome, brothers. Right. Well, listen, you guys, um, yeah. I just, yeah, I think you said it, man. This is a magical show on accident. I didn't expect any no. of this. I had it no expectations you. of this. So I just want to say yeah. thanks to you two. Uh, yeah. Manny and Outcast, and, and and especially Dr. Robin McCutcheon. I just, wow, what a magical show this turned out to yeah. be. And I'd in had no end. expectations of that. Yeah. Um, in the end, it brought tears to my eyes. Dude, I was crying the whole yeah. time. It's crazy. Yeah. This is, uh, all right. So, <laughs> yeah. listen, you guys, the dangerous info chat okay. rooms, the in, dangerous info chatters hey. out there. Hey, check with the FCC and see if they, why they. Uh, shout us down <laughs> we'll never know we'll never know yeah but, we'll hey, never know <laughs> yeah the podcasters are going to be here this they'll, they'll be able to hear it yeah. all and, and figure it well, all who out knows? But, um well when we were when we were telling dr robin that we wanted to talk about false flags i didn't know she was going to start with the history of the kazarian so that, that right there <laughs> would have been uh, that, yeah, would that was target right target right away yeah. yes that word yeah. will just trigger everybody so that's okay. I I got the hard copy. I've got everything here yeah. flawlessly okay. on my end, and I'm gonna get into the well, chat room and uh, I'll, I'll do the post production, and that'll be ready for people at 3:30 a.m. Okay. Oh, so uh, again, thanks to everybody tonight. Yeah, thank you. Love you, brothers out there. Um, hey, love you too, man. Love yeah, you too, Jesse. I, I I want to say thanks to everybody out there watching the show tonight. You you've heard it. Uh, you know, while well, you're gone now, but the live, you know, the podcasters, <laughs> listen, if you guys want to support the show, we need your support. Please check the description down below where you, there's a ton of options there. You can help support us. Uh, read the description tonight's show down below where you're going to find us. You'll be able to see all the show notes, all the relevant information to reach us. Um, also my mailing list, get on the mailing list for the show. Um, so we can stay connected when social media, social media is eventually wiped out. Okay. It's going to happen. Um, do you guys have something relevant, interesting, or just want to share information with the show? Do that. All right. Email us at dangerousinfopodcast at protonmail.com. And once again, join us live here every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. All right. And uh, also, okay. yeah, thanks again, you guys, for listening to the show. Yeah. I'm Jesse James. He's Manny, you have something else to say? Yeah. Uh, we got to get together on the, you know, what we were talking about earlier. The merch. Yes, yes. Yeah. We got to get some yeah, merch. Yeah, yeah. If we can get something okay. for Christmas, that would be great. So awesome, okay. you guys. Um, we'll work on it. Yes. Okay. okay. Sounds I'll, good. I'll see you this weekend. Sounds good, brother. All right. So, you guys, okay, again, brother. thanks for Love listening you. to the show. Outcast, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye, man. I, I'm Jesse bye. James. Outcast. Yeah. He's Manny and he's Outcast. And you guys <laughs> remember, as you guys go through the week, stay bold. Yep. Be courageous and don't fall for the government media complex propaganda. It's coming at you at every level of your life. There's solutions to all this stuff. It's up to you guys to act on those solution ideas. We love you guys. Stay dangerous, my Patriot friends. Stay dangerous. The word smart, right? Remember when smart came along? Smart car, mm -hmm. smart phone, smart meter, smart watch, smart everything. People, you yep. know, I, I, I knew right away when I first heard it, um, it was, you know, SM, S-M-A-R-T. People just think it's smart, like intelligent. It's not, okay? Smart 
What it stands for, it's an acronym, Self-Monitoring Analysis and Reporting Technology, SMART. I had no idea. I'm going to repeat that again. Self-Monitoring Analysis and Reporting Technology. Okay. Wow. What this is, 